2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Conair. Conair was released on June 6th, 1997. This very day, if you're listening to this podcast on the day of release, obviously. Uh, It was directed by Simon West, written by Scott Rosenberg, and it had a budget of $75 million and grossed a whopping $224 million. Uh, The film stars Nicolas Cage, of course, John Cusack, John Malkovich, McKelty Williams, Ving Rhames, Steve Buscemi, Cole Meany, and many more. Uh, I think you all agree that this has a stacked cast but today i have a ragtag band of film journalists and podcasters to celebrate this film's 25th anniversary uh joining me aboard the jailbird with their best cameron pro impression uh, with their best cameron Poe impressions are first up we have kira Comerford, the roller renegade her charges include running a pop culture website called cinematique Repeat offender for Ready Steady Cut, as well as being a videographer. Next, we have Claire Blue Eyes Ellen Hope. She may be Rotten Tomatoes approved, but she's currently serving a hundred film sentence alongside her podcasting accomplice on the W-rated podcast. Next up, we have Cat the Ghoul Hughes. Well, what can I say? She's a gore ghoul at the Hollywood News, has a penchant for cats and Keanu Reeves. Last, but definitely not least, is a real bad apple. We've got Ian <laughs> the Harasser Harrys. Currently awaiting sentences on an altercation with Tom Brady. He's a serious podcast jingle maker, Willy's Wonderland t-shirt owner, and one half of the podcast Nobody Asked For. How are we, uh, guys? I'll be,
3: I'll be better when Tom Brady's out of our lives. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, let me go round and oh yeah, I'm gonna ask you all for a, for a Cameron Prome impression out of the break, and we can get to hear your regular voice and your your amazing Nicolas Cage voice. So, Kira, let's start with you. Can can you do, can you give us a Cameron Poe? Can you set the set, set the benchmark? Yes. Okay. Give me one second.
4: Gotta you know drum roll, please.
2: <laughs> or no drum roll then. That's the case,
5: maybe. That's fine. I don't need to build up. Okay, you ready? I'll put it in post. I'll put it in okay, post. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. Are you ready? Can I do the action? I know nobody else was here, but
4: can I do the action as well? Of course
5: you can. Okay. Do whatever you want. Okay. You're saying. Okay.
4: Are you ready? Dramatic pause. Sorry, boss. There's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you.
2: <laughs> Amazing. 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 <laughs> Uh, we'll go to you next, Claire. Give us your cam. Give us your Cameron Pro. Cameron, I keep saying Pro, Poe. Cameron Poe, what, what am I doing?
6: I mean, I cannot do impressions to save my life, and so I don't know if it's better or worse to have gone after that wonderful <laughs> one. Um, this is basically just going to be me in my own voice because I cannot do other voices.
2: It's okay.
6: Um, put the Bernie back in the box. L- See? Yeah. I
2: love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> let's uh, let's go with you, Cat. What's uh, what? Can you can you give us a Cameron Poe?
0: Well, I'm going to try. Um, I prepared the same, the same line as somebody else, so no competition. I am terrible. Um, I'm just going just to call in, just going to call in my friend. <laughs> There's only two men that I trust. One of them's me. The other ain't you.
2: <laughs> this is amazing. For people listening, uh, Kat just pulled up a Nicolas Cage uh, paddle uh the Witcher. i imagine you got from the unbearable weight of massive oh, talent same
5: press
0: screening. Um, i i didn't Yay. actually make it to the press screening but i have a friend that works with the company who was very gracious to uh, send me one in the post
2: amazing yeah it was my first ever press screening and i was just like ransacking the seats to grab them afterwards because obviously like people were old hat just going like oh i've been to this i don't need more free shit clogging up my clog up my house i'm like uh, if it's Nick Cage related, like I'll, I'll take the free shit and I'll, ta- I'll, ta- I'll take the free bar and I'll take the free little uh, Nicholas Cage paddles, please. Uh, and uh, last, last but not least, Ian, give us your, give us your Cameron Poe.
3: So, so what I found out while practicing was <laughs> that all all of my Cameron Poe impressions turn into either Forrest Gump, yep. or if anybody has seen the Lice episode of South Park. <laughs> where because the only the only line i could do with in, uh, in even vaguely close to Cameron Poe was just the line how's my baby <laughs> because i was i was watching the film I was like what's an easy thing to say and then he says that in the first five minutes he's like yep there we go <laughs> oh, let, let's do this but it is just the lice Lys- uh Lyscapades
2: <laughs> episode it's, it's. I'm, I'm getting hints of fat bastard from. There's a, a bit of. There's a bit of. I'm not an
3: impressionator. So, what can I say?
2: Um, I'm just going to play a clip of that moment that your, your, your quote there, Ian, because yeah, that, that line reading that Nicholas Cage has is fucking bizarre.
5: Dear hummingbird, break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree, cause this boy's coming home to his
2: ladies, coming home forever i just hope i'm not a disappointment to casey or to you love camera sorry it's a different line it's the way he says forever i love <laughs> i love that uh, yeah 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 should i yeah i, I need to do one don't i um get the uh, uh, yeah I, it's forrest gump isn't it, it yeah well, it's basically <laughs> tie the ribbon around the old oak tree because i'm coming back forever it's it's Forrest Gump, and they, uh, we'll get into some Forrest Gump because this film. Uh, My mama made... said
3: to put the bunny back in the box.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Life is like uh, a box full of bunnies. You never know which convict you're gonna get. Um... Is, this, is this just
3: the podcast now? It's
4: just us us merging
2: Cod Air with Forrest Gump. Well, that one, it's that one
4: went a little bit of mice and men, didn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> connection to that as well john malkovich yeah. come, on, come on let's let's yeah, keep in. going i've off.
6: gone on a tangent in my brain trying to figure out if cameron poe and forrest gump would be friends or not
4: <laughs> running um, through the I'll... wilderness together <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i want to see that film like you can have Mckelty williams like he could easily have just like stuffed his lip full of tissue paper again and been bubba gump in this film as he was in in, in that and uh yeah yeah, yeah. maybe he's, that's, that's what side... he did
4: when he came out on parole you know that was his first he... job two months straight and narrow
2: yeah he's a, a sidekick to southern gentleman I've, I've, I've got a lot of time for it so uh let's get into yeah uh talking about connor and i just want to know like from you guys what was your like first time watching this and what's kind of been your relationship with this film obviously it's been out for 25 years now which seems like <sighs> too long uh, <laughs> it feels like we're all getting old so yeah, let's start with you Kat, what's your kind of relationship to this film?
0: Well for me I think I watched it first whenever it was that it released on like Home End um, I wouldn't have seen it in the cinema, it would have been a, a Home End thing and it's sort of something that I've watched a few times over the years and it's sort of in, obviously it's Action Cage so it's in it's in that mantle for me because sort of Nicolas Cage more than the film is the sort of like the phenomena in in our house and within my friendship group. So Conair is obviously something that regularly gets gets quoted. I used to work in a in a stock room and uh, for a Debenhams, and in the children's room, in the children's where like stock room they had some cat bunnies, and they used to have to live in boxes. And if ever they weren't in a box, <laughs> one of my friends would like leave a little sign that said, "Put the bunny back in the box." And we just sort of like hide it around for each other. So yeah, Conair's sort of got some some good memories from, from stuff like that.
2: Amazing. What about you, Kira? What's your kind of, what's your, yeah, do you remember the first time watching it? And what's it kind of, what's the relationship in with you since?
4: Um, so I think I watched it first a few years ago. Um, Cause I'm not actually quite as old as the film itself. So I definitely didn't see it in the cinema. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I caught, part of face-off on telly one night and obviously like this is part of you know the action cage era and I don't know there was just something about face-off and I was like wow I need to see more Nicolas Cage in my life so then you know just kind of did what I do with all actors when I become obsessed with them watch everything in their filmography that I can get a hold of and Conair was one that I got to. I recorded it on the Skybox and I sat and I watched it one day. Had the house to myself, just, you know, kicked back, had a great time. <laughs> and it's exactly the kind of film that, like, I sort of got introduced to <laughs> cinema. <laughs> I got introduced to film through films like Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, you know, it absolutely fits into that category, like loud, um, messy, chaotic, but very entertaining. And yeah. yeah, it just ticks all of those boxes for me.
2: Yeah, on that kind of point, I think what's interesting about Con Air more so than a lot of kind of action movies that came before it, it's like the fact that it's like the cast, and we'll get into it in a bit, like the cast of this film, it's populated with actors who are kind of, this isn't their bread and butter. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like you kind of got you got your Cage coming off of like being like a character. They're all character actors yeah. basically who just kind of like they've gone. I don't know Jerry Bruckheimer's gone. It's probably better to populate this film with guys who can act. Do you know what I mean? It's probably easier to get Nicolas Cage to get bath. I think than it is I, to.
4: I think the thing is you've to, got an awful lot of like really strong characters on that. Playing it would be very easy for every single one of those personas to merge into the same one, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. if instead of the actors you got there, if you had like no disrespect to these people, Jason Statham, if basically if you had the cast of the Expendables, they would all be the same person, that's what they'd all merge into. Um,
2: wow, well, yeah, well, yeah, Simon West, the director of this film, did go on to direct expendables too so has has kind of dealt with both these kind of yeah. uh the these these non-action star action stars and then actual action yeah
4: stars. there's like highbrow and then there's the <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: yes 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 yes, yes, yes definitely. but i love um, both
4: kinds like i'm not slagging one or the other off i do no know. no
2: no. yeah, yeah I, t- I, I totally get you i'm i'm happy uh, one of my one of my most fun cinema experiences this year Has been watching ambulance. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, so, so I'm not gonna, I'm not. There's no judgment here. I'm kind of like, oh, if I could watch that film again in the cinema, I would, I would drop what I'm doing and go immediately. Um, what about you, Claire? What was your kind of yeah? What was your introduction to this film?
6: Okay, so this is where I get thrown off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know. I think I know your
2: introduction to this.
6: (laughs) So the first time I saw it, I didn't finish it, but it was not my fault. Um, I saw it when I was like 16 in school because randomly my media studies teacher just put it on and it had no relation to anything we were studying having now also been a media studies teacher i'm like oh she was hungover (laughs) like she needed an hour she just she needed an hour and she went what film do i have on dvd that i like to watch i did it i randomly put tangled on for my students once because i thought it was the last lesson before half term and they were like miss we see you two more times this week (laughs) Well, we'll do work then. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm not mad into action movies. Um, So whilst I enjoyed it, I didn't kind of follow it up. And it was like, God, a decade before Netflix was even a thing. So I would have like really had to go out of my way to find it um and then i had the lovely kira on my podcast to talk about a different nicholas cage playing film and we always do a little top three at the end and we did top three nicholas cage films and i was very ashamed by the lack of nick cage films i had seen so last year then after that i went back and did a bit of homework and he ended up one of my top stars of the year because I, I watched con air from beginning to end <laughs> watched pig watched loads of stuff um and then I've rewatched it now and it it's really good. I actually rated it higher on the second watch because I was able to like enjoy the characters because uh-huh. I knew where the story was going.
2: Uh, yeah, um, Yeah, I think it is a film that can definitely benefit from like multiple viewings. I think mm-hmm. it's definitely like it's the ultimate Friday night beer and pizza movie. Right. Kind of like yeah. get your get your band of mates together, just like kind of quote along like like cat was saying like kind of get the people like yeah you kind of have this i don't know almost like a relationship away from the film um and then yeah it kind of oh, you, uh, the chat box has thrown me guys I don't know what, um, <laughs>
6: Mm. No, it is a it's a great like group hang movie. Um, ironically, I've actually aside from being a sixteen year old in the media studies cast, I've only ever watched it alone. Alas, that is my life. Um, but I've just cu- I've just gone through a bout of COVID, and it um, kicked off like an intense desperation to only watch 90s action movies Amazing. which is like so unlike me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, also has that great covid fever definitely, uh, definitely.
2: movie. I, Ian, let's uh yeah, uh, well I've seen this film in the yeah. same room as you. So yeah, uh, what's yeah. your what's your what's your relationship to this film and maybe we can talk about that experience of Yeah, so of so first together. of all
3: there's clearly something with covid because when I had covid I Weirdly, got obsessed with watching '90s and early naughty sports movies, and I, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just like came o- o- overwhelmed with this urge. So clearly, Co- yeah,
6: it, it's, it's like I want to go back to childhood. But yeah. Childhood, I didn't also know.
3: I need, I need things where I know it's going to end okay. <laughs> but so, Con Air for me, I don't remember the first time I watched it. It's kind of one of those films that has just always been there. Yeah, it's a like, it's
2: an ITV two staple, right? It's yeah, kind of like...
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think Con Air for me is a kind of uh, I. Every time I watch it, I will message someone and with the phrase "I've forgotten how good Con Air was," <laughs> because Con Air is like all good, like '90s action movies. The minute you start thinking about it, it's stupid.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. nothing from the premise to every, like, every five minutes, there is something that shouldn't happen and makes no sense at all. And sometimes if you don't watch it, that's the bits you remember. And then you watch it again, it's like, oh, actually, no, this is one of the best movies ever made. It's like a magic trick, right? It's like yeah.
2: once, like, if you kind of, I don't know, if you kind of know how the sausage is made, you're kind of like, it's not so, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's not so impressive. But, like, when yeah, when you're not around, like you said, like when you're not around yeah. Conair, you can... Get we lost in the, the Yeah, we we all we
3: all have those friends, right, that we don't see regularly and you start questioning why you're friends with them. And then you and then you go out drinking with them, and it's like, ah, oh, this is this is why we're best friends. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is Conair is Ryan. Um but yeah. Um I should have used a fake name then. Um, but the last time I watched it or the last time I watched it, not specifically for this podcast, was at the Nicolas Cage All Nighter at the Prince Charles Cinema. Yes. And the opening was the rock Conair face off. And it is possibly the best cinema experience I think I've ever had. Because Conair especially is so like memeable. That whenever anything pops up that is now a meme, the entire cinema erupted into rapturous applause, and it was great. Like it just kind of like feel makes you feel a little bit vindicated for liking a film that is clearly stupid, and yeah, it was the first time first time we actually met in person. Yeah, Petros, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah is nice.
2: What what, what a kind of bonding experience? I felt oh, like, yeah. like, and I probably was desperate for some sugar in my blood at that point as well, kind of. Having like, do you know what I mean, I think I went drinking before, so I was like, I was really underprepared for 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 an all nighter. Oh, I think
3: I'd I'd, I'd come <laughs> straight from playing a rugby game to the so I I the, the chairs are comfy but not comfy enough to stop your back from hurting. So it was uh, that was a, that was kind of the point where my brain was going, "Ian, this was a stupid idea." <laughs> you're, and then, you're, yeah, but then
2: you get your you early
3: thirties now. You don't need to do this to yourself. <laughs> and then it was great.
2: You get you get swept up in the mayhem of it. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I've, off the kind of back of that, I've, there's a, there's something that like niggles at me with this film. I'm kind of gonna throw it out to you guys and s- s- see what you think. Is uh, I think this is a comedy. What 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 what's everyone's what's everyone's views on that? If anyone wants to jump on that grenade. So just just kind of
3: off the back of something you, uh, I think in Kira's intro we mentioned Expendables two. So the reason Expendables two is good is because uh, Simon West is the director, right? Uh Yeah, so Simon West realised Expendables is silly and funny. Mm -hmm. And that's why Expendables 2 is good, because it doesn't take itself seriously like the first one did. And I think that is because he made Con Air. (laughs) Because if you take this, I know it's got a load of serious actors in, but if you played this straight, it's awful. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way to play it as like a straight laced drama or anything like that. You need to have comedy or you start like you said, you start seeing like the seams
2: and mean? everything like that. Well like nobody in this film speaks like an actual human being. <laughs> like in the fact that like everyone's just got a quip for everything that someone says. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, what's the in flight movie? It's like, well you're never gonna you're never gonna be on a beach again and you're never getting laid. Like it's like, who's that quick witted? Do you know what I mean? It's like they're all kind of like U C B like in like kind of uh do you know what I mean? Like It's all quips or all massive yeah.
3: plot exposition.
2: Yeah, it's like they're having a game <laughs> of yes and. Do you know what I mean? Like uh like kind of sketch comedy troupe or something.
6: Um I think it needs it though, 'cause like they are all criminals and like the intro to some of them, like they're horrible, horrible people, <laughs> but you need to be rooting for them. Even the bad guys, you need to be rooting for them to be invested in. Will the plane take off? Oh. Are they going to make it? So without that humor, they have no charisma. And like that's what makes... like John Malkovich's character... I'm, I'm so bad at remembering character names, I apologize. The virus. The virus. Um, the virus. Um, he is... Awful. He's such a bad human being. He's but God, whenever he's on the screen, you're like, yes, keep going, give me more. Where are we going? What are we doing? Cyrus, uh, I mean, that's John Malkovich, but. Cyrus the
3: virus who has, and I quote, killed more people than cancer. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> you know?
3: Those, the, those like character introductions were incredible because what I really liked was you went through them all. It's like, oh, Billy Bedlam, like, killed a dog, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then it ends with just, and who's that guy? And they cut to Nicolas Cage, to get you off the plane. It's just like, oh, he's just a guy. Yes, yeah, he's, yeah, just yeah. Here. he's just hit For some for some reason, on this ultra secure prison plane, we're letting these guys hitch a ride. Well,
6: because his body is a weapon. He accidentally killed one man in self defence, let, let, but his a, body
2: uh, is a weapon. Let's put, let's put a pin in that. And I will I'll, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask someone to give us a brief plot synopsis of this film. Who would like to? Kira, would you like to tell us what this film is about?
4: Okay, I'll I'll give it a go. You know, this extensive plot (laughs) that I need to discuss here. So basically, Nicolas Cage is Cameron Poe and he is in prison on a, well, we know it as a manslaughter charge. I'm not entirely sure what the technical terminology in America is for it, but basically he got beat up by some guys outside a bar and he massacred one of them, like palm to the nose, boof, and killed him. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's dead. He goes to prison because he won't take any sort of a deal. I don't think he takes the deal anyway. Oh, my goodness me. Has the plot become too much for me? (laughs) I don't think he takes the deal and he ends up going to prison for pretty much like the maximum sentence because, you know, you're in the military and you shouldn't be getting into fights with people because you are a weapon. So he goes to prison. But he keeps his nose clean because he needs to get out for his daughter Casey. And, uh, you know... He, he gets to the end of his sentence, but he's obviously gone to a prison that's far away from home. So before he can get home, he needs to fly home. And he just hitches a ride on this plane that also happens to be carrying all of the inmates for a new maximum security prison. So, you know, you've got all of the ingredients for a really horrible situation to unfold. <laughs> And it does, shockingly enough. Basically, all hell breaks loose on this plane. And lo and behold, the whole reason that Cameron Poe ever existed is to make sure that, you know, these guys don't break off into paradise to, you know, go and live out the rest of what would be their sentences on a beach, you know, with, uh, you know, umbrellas in their drinkers and dirty naked freakers or whatever it was.
5: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, that is that 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 is a perfect plot synopsis for uh, for the film. Uh, I know that y- you Ian have like a kind of um, I don't know like an axe to grind on an aspect of this film that that Cameron Poe is so, one of the reasons I invited you on the podcast is because you said you you said once I could talk for three hours on why Cameron Poe should never have been on that plane in the first place.
3: Yeah, so like the film perfectly makes sense apart from the fact Cameron Poe never would have seen a second of prison time. <laughs> Because, like, what I would really like is, like, the next season of, like, Serial, like, the podcast. It just covers the Cameron Poe story (laughs) about how it is. (laughs) So, first of all, he was, there were were loads of witnesses in the bar that saw these guys in, like, the Deep South come up to a dressed veteran. Like, fresh off the boat veteran to tell him that people like him are why they lost Vietnam. Uh Uh-huh um he then uh so they've uh clearly tried to kind of get into a brawl with him there they've threatened assault on his pregnant wife they then three of them one of them with a knife jump him outside the bar and cameron poe then does the whole action movie nose through the brain thing that is just self-defense and he wouldn't have <laughs> there was a knife they started on him there's witnesses case closed and but
6: I mean, the bigger thing is he—he's a white man in power in the mm. South of America. Yeah, like, he's not getting prosecuted.
3: Yeah, but what we're what we're not factoring in is so I I I actually wrote down the quote because I I find it so funny. Uh, with your military skills, you are a deadly weapon. So you aren't subject to the same laws as other people when provoked, <laughs> because you can respond with deadly force. Yeah,
2: and, like, is that is it's like I I, I didn't bother fact checking that, but like that's not a thing is no it, right? no, does, no. Anyone, does anyone know if that's a thing well, it's, I know.
3: Not, it's not a thing it's still self defense like e- even if you you are like that's i don't know just like the abs of nicholas cage self-defense kind- is still a thing
2: yeah i think that's the kind <laughs> of thing i remember like hearing like, on a school playground someone would be like ah. Oh. My uncle, he's like a third down black belt. He had to sign a piece of paper to say that, like, his body is a deadly weapon. Yeah. so he like... can't fight anyone. He can only fight in the dojo. He can't fight on the street, otherwise he'll kill a man. It's
4: like Bruce. It's yeah. <laughs> like um, Bruce. Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I kill someone, I go to prison.
3: <laughs> if anyone yeah. kills someone, they go to prison, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just a thing. That's how the law works. But like, I think I think like, if you randomly punched someone in a bar and they died, and then the judge found out that you were like a professional boxer, then that probably would be taken into account with like sentencing. Like, you could argue that's offense with the de- offense with a deadly weapon. Blah blah blah. But you can also self defense. You can also have self defense with a deadly weapon anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. especially in you know, I, again, I don't know the laws of the land in Alabama, but I'm assuming they're a bit fast and loose with mm. like gun self defense laws and things like yeah. that. So, yeah, he never would never would have been on the plane anyway. And even if he had gone to prison, it would have been in Alabama. Like yes. the the whole the whole fact of him having to get on a on a prison plane anyway, I still can't quite wrap my head around. But saying all of that it's still one of the best movies ever made.
2: And and who is that lawyer as well? He looks like he's got, like, he couldn't get Saul Goodman. So he got, like, the the guy who's, like, a bit more, like, dodgy than him. He looks like the kind of guy who, like, sleeps in his car. He's, like, kind of, like, really greasy hair. And he's like, come on, Cameron, just take the deal, take the deal. Like, that's the best deal you're going to get. And he's like, oh, I am an honest man. I will, like, I, 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 I'm not guilty. I will not say that I am guilty. Oh, it's Forrest Gump again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He should have run ah. from the law. G- Gump on a plane. <laughs> uh, Hollywood, Hollywood. You got my number. We'll, we'll get this. We'll get this. Uh, we'll get this written. Um. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, la, la, la. let's talk about some of these early scenes. Like one of the things I lo- absolutely adore about this film is the fact that it's so economic in like its storytelling like the fact that we get like we get to know cameron poe so well like i kind of joked about that line of him like saying he's not going to take a deal it shows that he's like a man of honor you see like these exchanges he has with casey Mm. when he's in prison you kind of see the uh the chaos surrounding him i think there's like a moment when he's uh like there's a prison riot going on and he just like gets his pillow over his head like
3: not just, for me thank you or... just just focus on learning spanish cameron just focus <laughs> yeah, on yeah. learning spanish
2: yeah I, I, I thought that would come to play in the film as well I was like i was like like i i, I like i don't know yeah, I think.
6: oh my god have i just made up a scene in my head where he talks to one of the prison wardens in spanish Have i just read that up
2: uh john malkovich speaks to another prisoner um... in spanish so there is there there is some subtitles but uh, mm-hmm. but maybe it's to be like I don't know. It's
6: on the cotton room floor. Yeah, there's
2: not there's not anything yeah. like and nothing said in their exchange where it's like, oh it'd be beneficial for Cameron Poe to know Spanish. Like they're not saying like, so in two minutes we're gonna start the operation and take over this plane. Do you know what I mean? Like uh that that that, that would have been really clumsy writing, but like mm. would have made sense to why Cameron Poe But the, the film to- is so well written. It is. I would not have a um, uh, uh, Scott Rosenberg, the 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 man who scribed Venom, is 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 a man of pure class. Like let's not <laughs> let's not let's not put the man down at all. Uh,
5: I
6: think it it shows us that he wants to use his time wisely and better himself and all of like you said it's very economic and very smart with just that montage of letter writing. Uh-huh. It's a wonderful sequence.
2: Yeah, and we get like the relationship with. Uh, babyo kind of established really quickly as well, like like saying like he really likes those um, pink coconut things. Yeah, pink, the the, the, the
3: snowballs, which are
2: pure sugar, but he's diabetic. Yeah. Hmm. It depends which type of <laughs> diabetes he has. Isn't one of them like a lack of sugar? One of them too much sugar?
3: Uh, i no my, my knowledge of diabetes comes entirely from Connor. <laughs> oh yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, there is.
6: It's all about balance. So I guess. Maybe he just couldn't eat the whole pack in one Yeah, uh,
2: there's some people that if they're having, if they're going into a bit of a like diabetic tiz, I think that's the uh, technical <laughs> term for it, uh, they like just give them, a, just give them like, like a bee, just give them some water and sugar on a spoon and they'll be fine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing with the letters, which I really liked as well, was, and by really liked, I mean, again, amazing film, but I found it really funny. Um, one of the letters from his daughter is like two words long. Yes. It's just like, when you're coming home, it's like, that would have taken weeks to arrive. It would have gone through. He's written, like, these, like, novels to her. And all she gets back is like, what's (laughs) up, (laughs) Dad?
6: I mean, she is free. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that's still, I couldn't write a letter at her age. So, like, give her a prop. She's doing her best.
2: I'm I'm making an assumption as well that, he's probably getting letters from his wife as well and they're kind of conveniently just ah. giving us given us that's what I mean it's economic in the fact that it's just giving you what you need to know when yeah. you need to know it it's like that's the thing there there could be a whole film about this man who is wrong wrongly convicted yeah. or kind of like Cameron Poe in prison like if this if I know like Hollywood loves remakes and kind of sequels and prequels Give us the Cameron Poe in prison movie. Like That's what I want to see. I just, Keeping...
3: I, I just want to see the letter of, like, Dear Monica Potter, when I got off the boat and I hadn't seen you for months, you were clearly just pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> What's up?
5: <laughs> Love Cameron Poe.
3: Because, like, I don't know if it's a Jerry Bruckheimer thing, and that's just how people look in Jerry Bruckheimer movies, but just, I'm just saying something. something doesn't add up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, like that—that's why he let himself go to prison. See, it all <laughs> makes sense now.
2: Well, he doesn't like. <laughs> he does make reference to it. He says that like she was born three months later.
6: So- yeah, I got the impression that she was like pregnant enough because like they know that it's going to be a little girl and things like that. Like you got to be—I I, don't—I've never had a baby, but you need to be fairly far along. Twenty-four weeks. Gender. She did. Yeah.
2: She didn't look yeah like not not the making a such. People
4: don't show that much. And it was a first child as well, right? Like, There's a lot of <clears throat> I heard this from a teacher once, like <laughs> she had one kid and like it wasn't hard to hide the fact that she was pregnant. But the second one, like, mm. she really had to go to quite some effort to, you know, not reveal it before she was ready yeah. to, to but
6: my cousin, if you looked at her straight on, not pregnant, she turned to the side. But like, look at her straight yes. on. You'd never know. So like, let's not, you know, stamp on yeah. this woman's uh, nobility or whatever the I mean, word is. I have is. to say,
4: this is <laughs> this is the deepest dive I've ever thought about this. Like, yeah.
0: I, 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 yeah. I, just,
6: <laughs> I
3: will not, I
0: will not have her slandered. Yeah.
3: <laughs> she yeah. stood
0: yeah. by her man. Dear
3: Monica Potter, <laughs> I'm sorry about my last letter. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, my mum, when she when she had me, I was a week late, and she went into the doctors for like her appointment a week after having, you know. A, a week after due date to find out when I was going to come out. And he was like, so you had the baby then? And she's like, no, that's why I'm here. So that's how little like she showed. She was a week over pregnancy. So yeah, it's.
3: Then, then I I take it back. White, white, white from the record.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Women be quiet (laughs) then.
2: Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to say this and edit it out of the podcast. So, uh, uh, Scratch my earlier comment off the record, but uh no one's going to hear this on the podcast anyway. <laughs> to, um, to, to just go yeah, out, out in the world, I'm just going to be like I'm a body shaming uh, pregnant lady basher. What I'm, I'm not. Uh, I was just I was just if anything, I was trying to uh, say that in a Jerry Bruckheimer film, not even pregnant people can look pregnant. I just said it really bad. Uh, uh, so let's yeah. So we've talked about like obviously the. <laughs> it feels like now we're putting this film under the microscope. We're kind of looking at the glaring, uh, <laughs> the glaring er- 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 errors of it. But incredible film. Incredible. <laughs> one, one of the like one of the best. Like genuinely, I I love. I like tweeted out earlier today, being like, I'm watching this film again. It's like I fucking, I love it. I love it. It's so fun. It's so like. It's so funny. Like, when you get to the closing credits, it genuinely has, like, a 90s sitcom kind of closing credits of, like, just moments of people smiling and, like, with their names <laughs> underneath them. And, like, the, all of the kind of character credits end with Nicolas Cage winking at the camera. It's like, this is, like, this is. It's like, if you just change the music up instead of, like, the ridiculous kind of pounding score we get through this that kind of... Or it's either pounding or just, like... Supposed to feel emotion now. It's kind of it has two gears. It's like, or like that. That's the like two gears it goes in, and I love it for that. It's kind of like it, it, it's like a it's like a roller coaster. You're either loop de loops and all, all types of craziness, or you're kind of going on those slow inclines to another time when it's going to go fucking mental. And, and that, that's that's, that's an
3: Oscar-nominated second gear as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah. Shall we we, we quickly dive into that? Because there's a bit of like...
6: Can I just make a quick request to your listeners? Mm -hmm. Can someone please edit Connor into the structure of the Friends opening
4: credits? I thought the same thing.
6: (laughs) 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 I would very much like to see that. If anyone is tech savvy and artistic, please do it and tag us all in. Want to see
2: i'm probably going to do that myself i've got i've got the yes. week off work so that all right <laughs> <Hooray. laughs> that, that, that 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 may definitely happen um so yeah let's 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 kind of discuss well before yeah before we discuss like the, the the plane and the prisoners we have on there we we get introduced to J- john cusack's character in this, and um i just wanted to play a clip of kind of an earlier moment with him, so we kind of get a flavour of who this guy is. To a seat right next to him, and
3: he's known to be somewhat garrulous in the company of thieves. Garrulous? What the fuck is garrulous? That would be loquacious,
5: verbose, effusive. How about chatty?
1: What's with Dictionary Boy?
5: A thesaurus Boy, I think, is more appropriate.
2: So, what's everyone's thoughts on John Cusack in, in this role? Let's start with you, Kat.: Well,
0: I mean, that introduction is like he's cleverer than everybody else, apparently, because he can he knows synonyms. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: what, what, one of the things I find about like his performance in this I'm not sure if anyone else feels this is like, it feels like John Cusack thinks he's above this film in some way, and I'm not sure if it's like in the right, and he's gone on record to say that he, he doesn't like this film and only did it for the money and so he could get, i'm devastated that he could get leverage so like he could get like kind of indie passion projects off the ground and it could you could very much see that because scott rosenberg wrote this and then i guess a couple of years later went on to write high fidelity uh, john cusack vehicle which i imagine yeah john cusack said like, i don't want to play a good cop I want to play uh, an absolute arsehole who runs a record store and forces one of his girlfriends to get an abortion, and uh, and everybody root for me, baby.
3: This is why everyone prefers Joan. <laughs> we, we we should just recast Conair with Joan Cusack. Yes.
6: Please. Oh, I'm so sad to learn this because I I adore him in this film. Like I would happily just watch a whole separate film with John Cusack and Cole Meaney just ripping into each other like i love that whole dynamic i love their characters like normally when you go to the b plot or the b characters in the film you're like get me back to the action but i'm like you know what i like it here i can stay i can enjoy this mm. so i'm really sad to learn that he was like phoning it in
2: I-, I love a character detail they give him as well It's this kind of character introduction is he's wearing sandals and socks like, like, is that like I don't know? It's a kind of like they're telling us, like again, that economic storytelling. They're like, this guy
4: Wanker. is a
2: bit, is a bit out there. Is, is do you know what I mean he's he's like he's not probably going to play by the rules, but he is going to play by the rules. But uh, he's 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 a, he's a bit of a loose cannon, but he's he's a straight arrow at the same time. Like he kind of yeah, he's he's like I I love that small detail about him. But yeah, like you, Claire, I'm kind of devastated that. He didn't enjoy this film, and I would love, um, when kind of like talking about this film, um, like obviously, there's a lot of kind of big personalities and kind of tough looking guys. Whether like, I don't know, you look at like a Ving Rames or like a Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo was asked, like, uh, <laughs> who was like the toughest guy on set, and he genuinely said, like, John Cusack, like, he's like, you. <laughs> You could like look into his eyes and like he just had this look of like like I don't know, like a stone cold killer basically. And I know he's like he's trained in like some ridiculous like martial arts and stuff like that. And I think if you've ever seen gross point blank, like that's actually him like doing like the fight sequence he has in the high school um hallways. So and he's stuff like
6: the that. one that if he ever accidentally <laughs> murders someone, he is yeah. the body of a weapon yeah, yeah, that needs yeah, yeah. to go to the high security prison.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um
6: Is that why he doesn't
2: act anymore? I'm not sure. The last thing I saw him in was the uh, American reboot of Utopia, uh, which made me really sad because I I was like, oh, they didn't give that a third season and they've remade it and we're not even going to see a continuation of the plot because that got cancelled after one. Um, He was very weird in that.
3: So he is is a level six black belt in Yookadokun kickboxing.
2: There you go. Same. There you go. He's a- Maybe he had to sign
6: that piece of paper saying he won't fight anyone in the <laughs> <Yeah>. street.
2: <laughs> He's the deadly weapon. Um I may have a personal beef with uh John Cusack as well, because years ago when I first started this podcast, um, one one of my guests made a comparison between Nicolas Cage and John Cusack on the podcast. And I just put out a tweet being like, Hey, listen to this week's episode where my guest mentions like um so yeah, like mentions John Cusack or something like that, and an an interest like he has a interesting detail. Listen to the episode to find out. And um, oh no, I think it's because he got blocked on Twitter by John Cusack. And John, like I, I was I was laying on my sofa watching TV, and then all of a sudden my phone blew up because John Cusack retweeted me. <laughs> <laughs> and, like all of his fans had piled on to call me a piece of shit for using his name to like promote a, a podcast episode where, like in the episode, we just kind of talk about uh, how they have similar careers, and how, yeah, my guest got blocked by John Cusack on twitter uh, and i, I got <laughs> I got blocked on Twitter by John Cusack because of it. <laughs> oh, he'll
6: never hear this. he'll never know well, not block. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> True. Yeah, I will promote this. I'll tag him in it. Oh,
2: hey, John! John, listen. I have. I. I. I, I went on a hiatus from the podcast and deleted the. Uh, deleted the account, so uh, I'm no longer blocked by John Cusack, So I will be doing the exact same thing as well. I'll be tagging <laughs> him in all the posts. Uh, so let's dive into the. Yeah, the the wider cast in this film. Who is everyone's kind of like? I don't know, like standouts but especially with that first batch of criminals we're we're introduced to so yeah we have uh, billy bedlam we have diamond dog and we have cyrus the virus so uh kira like who who out of that lot really like kind of what, what, what yeah what, what, what are your thoughts on those guys
4: they'd be interesting guys to go out for a few beers with you know like, <laughs> i think it has potential for a wild night i'll be honest. I every time I rewatch it, the one person I get most excited for is not any of those people. I always get so excited for Garland Green. Like he's mm-hmm. he is just. I love Steve Buscemi anyway, like in whatever he's in, um, but he's just you know he's just so weird and so dry in this as well. Especially when like, you know later on in the film the plane's coming down, and he's singing. <laughs> He's got the whole world in his hands. Like, I just, I just love it. So he kind of overshadows everybody else. But if we just forget the five minutes, he's, you know, in the film. I think I'd have to say Cyrus. Just, he's just, he's so cool. I mean, yeah, okay. He'd probably eat every single one of us alive if he got given a chance. (laughs) But I don't know. There's just. What a way to go! If he did get a hold of you, what a way to go! Like I, I, I don't think I could choose to be killed by anybody else.
2: Yeah, would you like the last thing uh, on earth that you, you know, is the smell of his breath, as he says to, uh, <laughs> as he says to Cameron Poe that, that that's what that's what Casey Poe will have her last memory would be the smell of his breath
4: now you're talking you're now
2: saying. you're talking oh. <laughs> <laughs> i think we've just unlocked a kink in kira here guys uh, there's, uh we're, do, we're doing we're well, doing yeah we're doing some we're doing some serious work here what about you claire what do you kind of well let's open it out into to, to all of the kind of villains yeah who Of of the cons, like who really sticks out to you? Who you kind of?
6: It's it's definitely Garland as well. It's just I think because I've not seen the film as much as everyone else, I wouldn't say that I forgot he was there. But when he turns up at kind of the midpoint, I was like, oh my god, yes, Steve Buscemi's great in this. My brain had just forgotten like whilst watching it because you get so involved in the other characters, Um, and I think like he's the most complex. He's the most interesting the first time I watched it, the actual fear I had for the little girl was, like, so palpable. Um, and so, like, I like that he seems, like, the most, like, criminally insane. Cyrus just seems like a bad guy. And then, is it Johnny 23, Danny Dreho's character? It's something 23. Um, he just is, like, a horrible man. But Steve Buscemi is, like, you can kind of... He's in, he is criminally insane and you would not know what he's going to do to you. The other guys, you'd walk past and be like, oh, they're going to murder me. Steve me. you got no idea. Like, he could go any which way and he's so interesting for that. But
5: yeah. then
3: that makes it really interesting because he is the only person in this entire film who yeah. gets away with absolutely everything. Yeah. So, like, even, like, Cameron Poe's life is kind of fucked. Larkin is probably going to have serious questions to answer for why Las Vegas has been destroyed. <laughs> garland green just scot-free yeah it's
6: yeah, living his life in vegas we should
2: have that had would... a
4: sequel
6: oh,
3: so, oh, it yeah. should be a sitcom the garland yeah. green sitcom set in vegas the destroyed husk of las vegas
2: yeah like uh, the called like the grass is always great garland green <laughs> <laughs> it's not
3: easy hey, being would, garland
2: green
6: i would also like like joey was just been off from friends so can someone make a garland green with the joey credits please
2: <laughs> <laughs> just him just him clinking gla- yeah. clinking cups with that girl him roll because nah, like, like i've heard it said elsewhere but it does feel like that almost like that that final shot with uh garland green is like they went oh buscemi was great in this let's just uh let's just like tack this on the end do you know what i mean like
6: Do you? It's all. It's definitely that. It's definitely because he's a great character, and it's funny and it's amusing that he just runs away. But also, like, is there maybe an element that that's his karmic reward because he doesn't get involved with any of the Mm. violence on the plane. He doesn't help with trying to steal the plane. He's not there. He walks off and goes and has tea with that little girl. Like he's he's just as good as Sugar and Cameron Poe. He is not there for the violence, and he's not trying. So is that his karmic? reward that because he didn't incite violence he gets to
3: enjoy his life he did wear someone's head as a hat yeah
6: that was his past
3: life he's done some of his time <laughs> just, just just to play devil's advocate on that well
6: let, but like let, within the film
3: rule. oh yeah no, yeah he, he he is so not involved in the hijacking of the plane the film would be exactly the same whether he was there or not and i he, think that's why he, it's okay it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't not sit well
2: that he got away with it. I, I, I need to backtrack and talk about like the, the real-world implications of what Claire said there in regards <laughs> to, like, you can murder as many people as you want, but if there's, like, a prison riot or if there's, like, some bad stuff going on, if you don't get involved, karma will see your favour and you should be no. scot-free. I don't
6: believe in the prison system, but we have to. We're, we're saying it's there for rehabilitation. So all I'm saying is maybe it worked for this guy and maybe he's rehabilitated. If we're going to be putting these people in prison, we have to hope that they come out different people. And I feel like Garland is the prototype for that.
2: But do, do you reckon if he didn't hear all the commotion at the Boneyard, like 30 minutes later, he would have been wearing that girl's skin as a coat?
6: I don't know about the little girl, but there is definitely like a sea of bodies in Vegas. Yeah. Like the, the the Vegas police, are like what is going on with all the crimes at the moment? <laughs> like he's not—he might get away with it for a while. Yeah, whilst they're but cleaning the, they, everything up, the body up, count is going to be stacking.
2: Yeah, whilst they're cleaning everything up, he can kind of like shift some bodies in the rubble <laughs> of of all the all the mass destruction. Which, like, if you think about it, shouldn't have shouldn't have been what it was. It's only because of. Cameron Poe's almost like pig-headedness of like i'm staying on this plane to get like and and, and that is another thing we never actually find out why baby o is in prison like do you know what i mean like the film never lets us know so for all we know he could have like done this for somebody who could be a serial killer do you know what I mean it could be he, he could make god Gar- i don't know he didn't have the kind of fanfare introduction that garland green gets like this kind of Hannibal Lecter on speed kind of like yeah but you've got to go somewhere to beat that haven't you let's be
4: realistic
2: yeah that is quite a
0: criminal profile to top you've
2: got to dedicate your life this has got to be a life's work uh what about you Kat who's the kind of standout kind of cons well I mean you you
0: know echoing what everyone else has said you know wearing somebody's head as a hat is you know that's that's (laughs) the hard to top and I guess he's he is the I mean, as much as that sounds absurd, he is the one that you can most believe in reality. You know, Sarah Suviris killed more you know more men than cancer. You know, just you know, big hyper hyperbole. But you know, Steve Buscemi is so unassuming that that's what serial killers tend to look like. You know, you always see it on the news. You know, such a quiet, well-spoken, polite person. He is, I guess, the most real thing in Conair. Um, but I think the other one that stands out to me is is Danny Trejo as I think he's Johnny twenty two and he is about to become Johnny twenty three before he's
2: Well let's I've got I've got a kind of chilling clip of of Danny Trejo's character speaking. Uh, uh yeah, for, for, for people listening, this is a guy who has a tattoo of a flower on his arm. Every woman who's yes. raped.
3: Every woman who's been convicted. Yes.
0: Yes, yes
6: Yes there would be yes. more If yeah. they knew all of them That's easy, yeah. Isn't it
2: Which means There's a good tattoo artist In the prison I, Yeah I, I think or, 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 or when he's waiting trial He's going <laughs> Well this one's Going to be a surefire bet That I'm, <laughs> I'm getting convicted Come on he's, he's popping down To Kat Von D Come on Come on Cat, Slap another one on me
0: Call me Johnny 600 If they knew the truth
5: Yeah it doesn't have Quite the same ring to it Anyway I despise rapists for me, you're somewhere between a cockroach and that white stuff that
4: accumulates at the corner of your mouth when you're really thirsty. But in your case, i will make an exception.
2: What a guy Cyrus is! Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's a oh yeah, he has a yeah. code. He has a code. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's... <laughs> but he also make exceptions because he's got he's got a he's got a plan to fulfil. He's got he's, he's got he's, he can't he can't be fucking up the plan by uh, by taking umbrage against rapists.
6: Is there anyone that he wouldn't have killed on that plane? Like, there's not. He doesn't. He, they are all minions to him. He's so far above them. He's just—you're all idiot worker bees. I'm a real villain. Like, I'm a—I'm a superior. You guys are all just. Racist yeah, I mean, he killed
0: like—he mm. put killed two of his cousins in one of his crimes. So yeah, I mean, if he's going to kill his own sort of flesh and blood, then the rest of the guys on that plane are are free game.
2: Yeah, and it's really interesting because John Malkovich, kind of, he's gone on record saying, like, well, like whilst making the film, didn't know what it was going to be because so many script rewrites. <laughs> so, like, really didn't like the process. Because obviously it'd come from, like, I think, like, the, the Chicago, like, Steppenwolf Theatre, like a real kind of, like, theatre buff and, like, on... on like treading the boards and stuff like that so to come onto a film where it's like literally like day of another page is coming through yeah. being like, oh yeah by the way this is what this is what's happening today this is what's happening tomorrow Is kind of i think it kind of spun him out but like yeah. i think he's fantastic in this right he kind of like plays this menace and but so fucking charming that's what's great about this film right and i think it's like it's been alluded to or mentioned in this conversation already is the fact that you should hate every single one of these guys but you find yourself like swept up in it and being like oh they're all kind of a little cool do you know what i mean like swamp thi- mc Gainey, swamp thing i'm like i'd love to go for some <laughs> drinks of swamp thing do you know what i mean it would be like uh, <laughs> it'd, it'd, it'd just be a laugh he'd have some real crap jokes like he makes that joke doesn't he? he's like um none of us give a flying fuck on this plane. He's like, do you get it? Flying fuck. And it's like, oh, come on. Yes, please. Let's please swamp thing. Let's have a couple of brewskis, brother.
3: But I I, I think that's kind of that. That's also, I think why the, why the film works the way it does. Cause I think that the only, everyone has done massively fucked up evil shit. And we know that from their John Cusack penned introduction. The only one who comes across as evil is Johnny 23. So he's the only one that, even from his actions in the movie, you can tell right. You know, he's a he's an evil person. Like he's like the villain in the bunch of villains, and then everyone else just gets really cool lines of dialogue and awesome shit to
5: do.
0: Yeah, but the the interesting <laughs> like, thing though is that Danny Trejo is the one that had served time in prison.
5: Yes,
2: mm-hmm. and it's really interesting about Danny Trejo as well is he loved he loves to play villains because he sees like, it almost like it's his obligation to show people. And they, they always like, it was, uh, they always fail as well. The, do you know what I mean? They always, they always end up dying or kind of. Um, Beheaded on the back of the tortoise. bad
6: up. Yep.
2: yep. <laughs> they get their comeuppance because he kind of sees it as like his moral duty to like show people like crime does, doesn't pay. Like he's paid the price. He's and like, it's not like he's done misdemeanors. Like he's a guy who's done like, 10 yeah. year stretches in prison like and kind of really turned his life around like over 40 years sober now and stuff like that like re- a real story to tell and you could tell just by like the look on his face like because i remember not watching this for ages and you like i started what like yeah put it on and i was like oh do you know who'd be great in this film danny trejo and it's like <laughs> oh, no, i forgot i was like oh yeah fucking danny trejo's in this I was like of course like this is a perfect like, this is a perfect casting
3: no, uh, I've got all. It, it's just a shame Danny Trejo ended up in prison again in The Muppets again, <laughs>
5: <laughs> the <laughs> which is one of
3: one of my one of my favourite. Just obviously, if we would get to The Muppets again, but the throwaway <laughs> joke that he's playing himself is one of the most underrated jokes in cinema of the last like ten years. But I, I, I have I have all the time in the world for Danny Trejo, uh, Trejo. he he he, legit. Like I think his break in acting was. He was the AA sponsor for an extra on, like I think it was like a an action movie.
2: Yeah, it was a, um, it was, a, it was a Eric yeah. Roberts. Yes, movie. So yeah, kind of like real straight to like straight to VHS kind yeah. of number.
3: And he got a phone call saying, look, from this guy saying, look, I think I'm going to use again. So Danny Trejo went to set, and then, as you would as a movie director, saw Danny Trejo and just went, Do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the movie?
2: Yeah, and like I, I listened to an interview of like him telling that story, and like some like real like spoil sports on the set was like, "Oh, he's not SAG accredited." And, like the director just turned around and went, well, will make him SAG, like get him, get him SAG now." Then he's like, I, "I want him in this movie." Yeah, tell him he can't be in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Do you want to do you, you want to go speak to Danny? Uh, we've been hearing rumours that you said like uh, he shouldn't be in this film. Do you want to? Do you want to just go have a chat with him outside and see what happens? Let's get into favourite scenes in this film. So let's let's, uh, let's let's spin the spin the wheel, like Garland Green at the end of this film, and uh, who's going to jump on with their favourite moments? Kira, let's go with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go with you. What's your favourite? What's your favourite thing? Well, I did
4: I did briefly mention one of them, which is when you know everything's going horribly wrong on the plane. Garland Green's just you know singing away. I think it's a moment we can all relate to in some way. Um, things are going horribly wrong. Um what other scenes do I like? I mean, I just like the whole film. It's it's hard to pick a favourite, you know, when you're just it's just gold after gold after gold. I really like the end of it. It's so excessive. You know yes. I mean like the whole film <laughs> the car attached to the back of the plane.
2: Oh yeah. magic. It does that, like so, 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 so like for me, I, I I just love the like I don't know. There's just set piece upon set piece in this, and I'm sure like you guys were mentioning them. Like yeah, so like but oh, they're just. I I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of hard to decipher between them because it's almost like they just roll. Yeah, into yeah. Each other It's just it's it, kind of a, they just blend and it's. Yeah, it, it's once we, once wheels are up, the kind of film yeah. doesn't like gets the high altitude and doesn't. Doesn't drop even when we're on kind of flat ground again, it kind of doesn't stop. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have that speed problem where it's like once we're off the once we're off the bus, we're kinda of, it's kind of a bit of a damp squib. It's kind of still like it, it keeps it it keeps propelling, do you know what I mean? It keeps going yeah. forward until it gets a, a skull crushing end to, to, to proceeding. So Claire, what about you? Like, is there a particular set piece that like really stands out to you and you're like, oh, right. I think
6: it's the whole kind of ending to the learner airfield bit like the ends oh. with the car attached at the plane like cuz that in any other film that set piece could be the the climax of the film uh-huh but it's, like, almost bang in the middle. And you're like, damn, like, we we got some greatness here. And you've got, like, all the chaos because you've got Kuzak, you've got Meany, you've got all the police officers being shot, but then you've got all the prisoners and then is Cameron going to get back on the plane. And, like, it's all just, like, there's so much tension and you're really torn between, well, you want the good guys to win, but you also really want that plane to get off the air. You're <laughs> so, like, come on, like, let's keep going, let's go. And, like, so it's that real, you're rooting for... Everyone at the same time, um, and it just reminded me, you know, when we were talking about the great um the cons. Is it Billy Bedlam that's like the pilot that just decides he knows how to fly a plane and he's just like chilling there?
2: Oh, the, yeah, 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 swamp thing who can fly the plane. Billy Bedlam oh, gets uh, gets offed uh, and gets the yes,
6: he does the, in the in yeah, because he finds yes. that
2: bunny. That needs to go yeah. back in the box.
6: <laughs> but like Swamp Thing just being like, yeah, uh, we're flying, but we've not got any petrol left. We're all going to die. But like, I'm chill. I'm just going to keep flying the plane. I'm like, yes, dude, like you, you're a hero, even though you're not. <laughs> I'm going to put,
2: I'm going to put this army helmet on. Like, cause we're going to, we're going to, we're going to crash into, onto the, onto the Vegas. Strip. Cause that'll make all but the yeah, difference. Yeah.
6: I just love that he's, yeah. I just love that he's able to just take off in that like extreme circumstance. I'm like, good, good on him.
2: What about you, Cat? What kind of what, what what scenes stand out? I mean,
0: you? there's a lot of like faux Bay. You know, I mean, for years, I think I th- I just assumed that this was made by Michael Bay. It was it was a shock to me when I realised <laughs> yeah. it wasn't Michael Bay. I mean, the lack of Sunrise and Sunset should have should have keyed me in, but I just I just always assumed it was it was it was Michael Bay. Um, I mean, Bunny in the Box is great. Why though doesn't he remove the key, you know, the piece of paper that, you know, it, you know announces him as a free man and not this massive convict that he's pretending to be to everybody else because, you know, later on, Bing Rames then finds that same piece of paper and we have that that whole thing again, but, you know, that aside, you know, the bunny in the box, but I I just really like the really cheesy expositional introductions to everybody. It just oh it's like you know the the start of the resident evil game sort of thing where like all the you know all the raccoon city like police people's stats come up it's like that it's like yes i know exactly where you know where we're going with this film i know who's good who's bad let's let's get on this
2: do you have a particular favorite introduction that, that that uh john cusack gives I
0: mean, obviously the, the, you know, the, the Cyrus, the, the virus one, but it's, I think it's, it's Billy Bedlam, you know, He's, his girlfriend cheated on him and whatever, but he didn't do anything to her. He, he went, you know, the other side of the, the country yeah. and like murdered like her family dog and her family. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's toxic masculinity let, let, right
2: there. <laughs> let's have a listen to that one. I've got that right here. I told you today's flight would be special. That's William Bedford, aka Billy Bedlam. Mass murderer? The same. He caught his wife in bed with another man, left her alone, drove four towns over to his wife's family's house, killed her parents, her brothers, her sisters, even her dog. Scan him! It's, it, it's that delivery as well, right? It kind of it, it sets the tone of this film where it's like that, like kind of coupled with that music and like someone just into like, uh like, did you kill her? And then he just kind of like rattles it's on. Like, it's like pervert.
0: the A team, yeah, the, yes, the Article 18 introduction. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love I, I love it. What about you, Ian? Is there like is there a set piece that kind of so gets you gets, gets you
3: gets your heart racing? Yeah, so the, the, the two that I really like from this film is so the first one is when it suddenly becomes a different film and we just zoom into the like the general from Stargate. Um, in a yes. car with his wife, just driving along, <laughs> talking about like how, oh, I've had such a bad day, and then someone shits on his car, and then Dave Chappelle smashes into it. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I find it so funny because it's, it's like it's shot in a different way as well. Yeah, and it yeah, just yeah. looks like we've accidentally set into like a family sitcom. Um, oh, yeah. One bit I do like, which is for me, I think one of the most actual bits in the film, which I don't think the credit that it deserves, um, but it also includes one of the most stupid lines, is when um, they're at the back of the plane and um, Baby O's been shot and all he says is something like, hey, it makes you think that God doesn't exist.
5: <laughs>
3: and then Nicolas Cage just Cameron Poe said, I'm going to show you God does exist. And then he goes off and like walks through a bullet. So like he shoots him, doesn't, doesn't stop a step or at least do like the action movie. Like, Oh, it's just the shoulder. I'm fine. Just walks through and just beats the shit out of everyone. And it was just, it was so out of like, there'd be no religious imagery in the film at all up until that point. And it just came out of nowhere. And then it like, up to the stakes from what was already... Like, that was when they were being shot at by Colmeney, who can fly an attack helicopter.
0: I mean, you say there's been no... There's, but, you say there's no, no s- religious... but He's got the long Christ-like hair. He's suddenly, you know, walking oh, walking true. through. Yeah. He's, you know, he's obviously a repentant man. You know, maybe maybe Cameron Poe is the second coming.
2: That, isn't, that is an interesting ask, reading are of are the film. Are we
0: saying Cameron Poe is Jesus? Is that where we're going?
6: Are
2: we saying that this is more of a, like, deep spiritual meditation on Christianity than oh. the uh, Christian doctrine well, film that he's in uh, <laughs> Left Behind as well. Oh, well, is every, is every, what good, <laughs>
3: this is... every good Jesus movie will end with a big act of forgiveness. And that is why Garland Green gets off in Las Vegas. Oh, there we go. So it, all it comes it, back.
2: Claire it, was it, right.
3: It, it makes sense. <laughs> oh,
6: Claire yeah. oh. My Catholicism does <laughs> come in handy sometimes. <laughs> We're taught to forgive. Uh, th- I feel like now I'm like, thinking of the religious imagery and there is almost more religious imagery in this than Left Behind, the religious movie.
2: Oh, let's not get, let's not get down that rabbit hole. Oh, <laughs> old Raymond, steal that. That bunny bastard. can
6: definitely stay in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I, like, I, I, I got to give a shout out for, like it's probably like basic and an A1-like kind of thing to love in this film, but the moment the film starts to, go, go, the will starts to fall off, in in regards to like, shits going down and like camons. when it all goes to shit. Yeah. When it all goes to shit, and they are kind of like they're all getting their like, like pins out of their hands and stuff like that to get out of the uh, Dave Chappelle lighting that like Native American guy on fire, like and yeah, like okay, back to what you said about Dave Chappelle landing on a car. I guess for a lot of people here now, like that's like they'll be rejoicing when they watch that now because <laughs> uh deja De Powell has uh, uh uh yeah uh shown his cards but not being a very nice yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> um in, in, yeah
6: uh, uh but, and, oh that was one thing that always surprised me not to cut you off but no? every time i watch this the um the con that runs off to go put the dress on and like give them all a little dance i'm always like why is this in the film, and what what is this here for? Yeah,
2: I think that 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 character, if that this film was made today, was Sally, be... Sally can't dance. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah it, think... it's that that that's the that's the one thing I think which is really that that and Dave Chappelle being killed off after twenty minutes, like really, I think ages the film, and not in the good way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, but... and and there's a lot of like. Use of like the word negro in this film as well, but like kind of like as they might as well be saying the n word, do you know what I mean? Like, because it is kind of like, yeah, it's it's like, hey, if Tarantino didn't write this script, but like, Joey, he he, he helped Michael Bay on the script for The Rock. But I'm sure if he had, uh, if he was script doctor in this, he would have been like, change that to the n word, guys, come on, We, we 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 love it, yeah. So I think there's like there's aspects of it that haven't aged well, but like. know yeah back to like that scene when like shit starts to go down and I love the Carson City moment like that kind of it's just I I don't know it's a masterclass intention building because it's kind of intercut between like is the plane gonna take off are they gonna find the recorder in the guy who's gone off of the plane um they found like the stuff in Cyrus's cell like what's gonna happen there is is Larkin gonna get in time to kind of tell them to like call the plane off and stuff like that and it's just like it's proper like squeaky bum time stuff.
1: (laughs) Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
2: it's just like my heart is always like in my throat for those moments for that moment in particular that i'm like yes i fucking like every time i'm like i love it i just want to i just want to ride this plane i, I want to be a long haul flight do you know what I mean like an hour 50 does not feel long enough for this film
3: i love the um so the, the carson city scene where you've got like the one cop in the car who gets the call like oh by the way the plane's been hijacked Can you stalled them And his response, I think, is just like, oh, fuck. It's like, what is, I I think I would just pretend my radio wasn't working. It's like, what do you expect me to do? It's a plane full of highly dangerous criminals who have weaponry, and you want me to just walk over and stop them taking off.
2: But, like, their plan as well is, like, it's in, like, do you know what I mean? Like, when you're watching it, you're kind of there as an audience member going, like, Fucking, oh, they! You get, you're excited. You're like, oh, they're getting away with this, like, somewhat. And it's like, you feel bad because, like, they shouldn't be getting away with this. But like, it's so fucking fun that, like, I kind of, I'm willing them, I'm willing that plane to take off again, just because I want the hijinks to ensue. I, I don't know. Every time I watch this, I am always like, I'm still swept up in it, and I think that's what that's an aspect of it that makes it really great. So, uh, something I have on my notes here that I wanted to mention like to you guys and ask you is is this the sexiest nicholas cage has been in a film
3: it's filmed like the director thinks (laughs) he is really really sexy because like the 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 getting off the plane moment and like the windswept hair is shot like he is the single most attractive person who has ever graced the planet and uh, you know, he's not entirely my thing, but I, I can't say I see it.
0: No. I mean, I, I love what? Nick Cage's films and as an actor, but I, no, n- not for me.
2: What, uh, Kira, what, what, what are you saying? Cameron pose, yay or no?
5: Um,
4: well, the hesitation's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a
5: sign of complicated feelings. Um. <laughs> Mm. yes it's because could... your
3: answer is yes and you're trying to figure out
4: i'm trying to unpick you know yes but why you know uh, okay. <laughs> why um sit-ups i mean it's just you know i, I it's like, like it's the fact th- that bullets bend around him um
2: it's that handstand press-up, isn't it? Um,
4: Is it I mean, if that if that don't turn you on, I don't know what will. Um, I don't know. It's 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 a funny thing because it's a, it kind of comes back to a conversation that I had with one of my friends. Now, she made this point, not me. Um, but, you know, she was like, Nicolas Cage has kind of got like a real sort of, you know, daddy energy about him. Is that not my words? <laughs> words from my best friend. But kind of when someone says that to you, you're kind of like, i can't say i don't see it myself so
2: <laughs> well he is like he is caught like his wife does call him daddy at the beginning and and he has. Oh, sorry i a thought
4: I, called, I got ready i thought his actual <laughs> wife because obviously with, with she is young i was like Oh, I know she is. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She,
2: yeah, she might do that. And and obviously, he played a character called Big Daddy, who had a like a, a porn star mustache. Oh. So thanks, fact, fact, Petros. You just ruined kick-ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Embrace it. Embrace it. Go on. Like, for, 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 I don't know. What about you, Claire? Cage is Cage's sexiest. See
6: this? I'm a little bit like with Kira in that, like, I would never have considered him sexy in this film. But when you posed the question prior to recording, I was like, well, he's not not sexy either, though. Like, I can't definitively be like, he's not sexy in this. But he, I, I wouldn't go for it. But that that's more like the earnestness just irritates the shit out of me. I I wouldn't get through a date with him. i bet like, mate, please stop. <laughs> um. So yeah, like he's not not sexy. I was thinking like sexiest role. I think for me it would be the ones I've <laughs> It's Moonstruck. Even though he's an absolute mental headcase in um, Moonstruck, he is also like the leading man energy. And I'm like, he looks like like he looks like he gives Cher a good time. So Moonstruck would be the one I, for me. I,
2: I gotta agree with you that. I've always like, like I think the energy of Moonstruck between both of them is you don't know whether they're gonna have a blazing row. just rip each other's clothes off and start going at any moment
6: whereas like cameron poe has the body of someone who would rip your clothes off but you know he wouldn't you'd be kneeling down at the bed saying your prayers and you'd have a weekly (laughs) like missionary and then like thank you done off to sleep like he's got he might look good but he's got no sexual energy whatsoever
2: yeah i i yeah, I think I've got to agree with you there. He does look like a, looks a bit like a two pump Tommy as well. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's, he looks like he's got two, he's, 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 all, he's all kind of roids and muscle that, like, do you know what I mean? In in, in the bedroom, he's not, I don't know, he's, he's, he's not performing. Yeah, I think, I think. It, I think it's
6: silent. Fun. There's no eye contact. The lights are off. The duvet's up. And at the end, he says, I hope that was good for you too. And then he rolls over <laughs> and goes to sleep.
3: I think, I think the cop out answer is. The sexiest Nicolas Cage role is when he was John Travolta. <laughs> what, trying to trying
2: to fuck his own daughter?
3: I mean, yeah. oh, th- there's, yeah. there's a lot of there's, yeah. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot
2: of questionable things in Face Off, oh, but that's for another
3: film, for another podcast. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that twenty fifth is coming soon. I have a long list of things on face waterfalls. Let's start there, shall
6: we? I just the suction cup energy of that film just. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah uh so yeah so claire said yeah there's a sub question before this is what is nicholas cage's sexiest film if it's not this ian wh- wh- what are you saying where's where's nick at his sexiest are you, do you... i mean this
3: is this is far so, apart from john travolta i was, I was just scrolling through nicholas cage's filmography trying to think of the sexiest he's been and i've just realized this is the only time i'll ever
5: do this <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a it's a
2: I'm just I, inviting you into my world here. I'm just, uh, these are the type of things I do on a regular basis. Yeah, through.
3: I just went past Kick-Ass, and yep, you have ruined <laughs> that for me. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm always, you know, the strong silent type is always good, so just Willy's Wonderland.
2: What about, yeah, well, yeah, a, a, a man who will pound energy drinks and then and then work you like a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah. That's what Ian did that's, 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 that's I, <laughs> yeah, I don't Yeah,
6: he could never...
2: <laughs> he knows how to yeah. press some buttons, that guy. Don't worry, and work some paddles. You're, yeah, he, you're, he, you're he's up all time. night. It's,
3: it's all you could ask
2: for. <laughs> 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 at least, like, I don't know, like, if you could probably get past the, the, the smell, I imagine um, him in Pig, like, at least he'd, like no matter what how he'd perform in the bedroom like he would cook you oh with... he's
6: a very sensual like you know he his like his previous wife would have you know they would have had a good time i don't know why i'm suddenly so invested in the <laughs> sex life of nicholas cage characters <laughs> uh, it's, been a, it's been a long pandemic guys um but yeah that woman was happy that woman was seen too.
2: oh yeah like you think like the song that she's singing on that tape at the end is uh, i'm on fire by bruce springsteen <laughs> it's like Hey, little girl, is your daddy home again? <laughs> daddy energy—it all comes back to Nicolas Cage being a daddy. So, See, are, are we
3: saying it's mum and dad then? Is mom that the?
2: Yeah, he—he's yeah, he's, he's got a lot of. I imagine him and Selma Blair. Like, if uh, yeah, that that would have been that would have been fiery, especially if he's singing the hokey cokey whilst going at it. It would have been wild times, I reckon. Oh, I feel ill thinking about
6: that. <laughs> oh.
2: Just now, now, now just thinking of how Nicolas Cage
3: characters fuck. <laughs> so just, just Ben.
6: Just Benj- that is a whole. Oh yeah. podcast.
3: Just Benjamin Franklin Gates just being like distracted the whole time because he's trying to figure out like a really easy to solve puzzle. Oh,
6: he he ca- he he lifts the um president as that last longer. <laughs> <laughs> he has to get through the whole lot before he can finish. Like Hamilton.
2: <laughs> he does that whole um. He does, he does. He does the the Abe Lincoln speech, like four <laughs> fours and score scores. Like he's, he's there. He's, yeah, yeah. It, uh, wow, I didn't know. Yeah, and
6: when Trump was in office, it caused a problem because you know that that made him lose his energy. <laughs> yeah,
2: but then, but then again, Benjamin Gates' dad was uh, a big fan of uh, Donald Trump, so. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's where he gets why am i
6: continuing this
2: conversation? i don't know i didn't i didn't realize this question would resort to this but i'm very glad we've gone down this this avenue um well, and if another you're uh, question...
3: and if you're richard Gere, we all know the nicholas cage role he'd prefer
2: oh no oh, he's, um, he's
3: not he's not he's not a uh, guinea pig in that movie is he he's, he's something a mole.
2: else. Yeah. Damn. yeah
3: then i'm sorry richard gear no rumors about moles so we're good
2: there. <laughs> no mold burrowing in his anus. Only gerbils.
3: You know, apparently um, Stallone started that rumor. Really? Yeah. So and th- this sounds like I'm lying, but I... does everybody know this rumor? I by was the just way? about no,
6: to. I'm, ask. I, I'm putting it together. So there, there, I don't want to put it together, so but I'm getting there. there.
3: Is a room? There was a rumor that Richard Gere used to put gerbils into places where you should not put gerbils.
4: Oh, that's upsetting.
3: Yeah, and apparently that rumour was started, and this story comes from Elton John, (laughs) that Richard Gere and Sylvester Stallone were both hitting on Princess Diana. And Sylvester it didn't go particularly well because Richard Gere turned up, so then apparently Sylvester Stallone started spreading this rumour of the whole gerbil thing, (laughs) and that's apparently where it started. And that is the most fake-sounding story I've ever said, but I promise it's true.
6: I need video footage of Sylvester Stallone trying to hit on Princess Diana because like, th- those two people don't even exist in the same universe in my brain.
3: Yeah, he didn't turn off in that musical, so I can only assume it's... Uh...
6: <laughs> oh, I loved that musical. The only thing that could have made it better was a Slice <laughs> Stallone thing. The one the one thing that musical was missing was that scene.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Slice Stallone... The <laughs> uh, man who got duped into doing um, Stop or, or My Mum Will Shoot because... Arnold Schwarzenegger lied and said he was going to do that film. Uh, after reading ah. the script, it was so bad, and it was so competitive that Sylvester Stallone went, "No, nah, I'm going uh, to, I'll, I'll do it instead of Arnie." And then was in a really shit film. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, another another kind of question I wanted to put out to you guys was, who would win in a fight? Originally, it was going to be Stanley, Goodspeed, Cameron Poe, and Castor Troy. But I think we all know that Stanley Goodspeed would be the first one knocked out, right? He, he's kind of he's, he's a Beatles loving um, uh, scientist. He's got no game. Yeah, he, 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 he's not winning the fight. So, Cast Troy or Cameron Poe? Who's who, who's who's getting who's winning that fight? Yeah. Castor
6: Troy, Castor
4: Troy. easily. He's dirty. Ladies, He'd start
2: biting.
3: Yeah, Cameron Poe's too <laughs> honourable. Like he, he yeah. they, they they've both done time. But Cameron Poe's too honorable
6: for
3: it. Troy would fight dirty.
6: Yeah. And Troy would like drag it out on purpose to like be extra vicious. Like be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe we can be friends. Oh, no. And like, yeah, it would be brutal. It would be like, yeah, nasty.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think that was uh, probably a assuming that I hope to get a bit more conversation out of that out of that I don't know why why I expected to get more conversation out of that because it again it seems like a, more, a far away. Can
6: you imagine the two of them sharing a cell wall though because I feel like if <laughs> if they had to share like cells next to each other I feel like Castor might off himself I don't know if he could cope with 20 years of Cameron I just jabbering too much. I...
3: <laughs> or they're, they're writing letters to each other Mm, dear Castor Troy
2: who yeah who who would you guys prefer to be like uh cellmates with cat who would you like Castor Troy or Cameron Poe who I you, who mean
0: a Troy because I mean the lesser wanted to sleep and then yeah because I mean just listening to him you know narrate his, his his letters as he's writing them each day would be a really <laughs> really cheap sleep aid, but you know Castor Troy, you know you're going to get a bit more excitement there.
2: You can eat a peach for hours. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> so let's not forget that. So if um, uh, things get lonely in that prison, I don't, I don't know how that would. Uh, yeah, let's not let's not get into how that would work with. Uh, and we're, uh, we're back uh, onto the sex lives of Pickle's cage characters. Sex
5: camera
3: Cameron. <laughs> hey, he's
2: quite explicit with that. Um, so Ian, Ian, who are you sharing a cell with? Um, I mean, I, I for the for, for the for the
3: sheer uh, the, let, let let's be honest here, guys. I wouldn't do well in prison so <laughs> so it's going to be Cameron Poe I need C- Castor Troy would kill me like I'm the one who would annoy him and it's not going to end well for me <laughs> hey Castor, did you know I've got a podcast out in the real world and then that's it
2: I, I- and are you, are you a fan of those, uh, are you a fan of Snowballs as well? At least you'd get kind of fed yeah. with. Uh, I yeah, I think yeah,
3: Cameron, yeah. he would look after me. I, I would, you know, I'd help him with some of the, the bigger words in his letters. It would be great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, be there like a human thesaurus. Say the word you're looking for, Cameron. I don't know why you need to read these letters out to me, but if you are going to Well, I'll
3: just, yeah, I'll just replace Fabio. So I'll end up being on the plane at the beginning. And then when you get to the scene where it's like, right, who wants to leave? I immediately put my hand up. <laughs> it's like, i will go please and then cameron protests, hey why why we're supposed to be staying we're supposed to be uh, I'm done, I'm, done. I'm, I'm out i'm out now and i am out hard
2: <laughs> what about you kira who are you sharing a cell with
4: i don't know i've had an awful lot of time to think about this and i can think of arguments for both of them every single one i've had so far is very valid
2: um Talk us out your thought process then. Let's let's uh, let's kind of work this out. Let's kind of chip in and help you make that decision though. Well
4: I mean obviously like there's as we've said there's the excitement of the Castro Troy Saltmate and how potentially volatile that situation could be. But I'm also thinking, you know, from sort of like the wider prison perspective,
3: like protection. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is why I wouldn't do well in prison
2: just didn't even cross my mind to think about that yeah you could be like you yeah you you bunk up with caster troy you you hold you're you're untouchable you are are untouchable you know you've got a guy who's going
4: to bite in a fight so no one's going to mess with you (laughs) but then i also think you kind of would have that with cameron too because you know he wouldn't let anything unjust happen to you he would put himself on the line to protect you. So, I mean, you know, they've both... But I just kind of think there would be the temptation to mess with you if you were Mm -hmm. with Cameron. But with Castor Troy, people are going to be like, he's fucking crazy, and you don't fuck with crazy. So, you know, I think from that perspective, I'd go with him. Like, I'd be able to shower in peace, you know?
2: (laughs) I think that's all you want in prison, right? That's, that's kind of, that, that, I know very little about prison, but from all the kind of from the from, from from my earliest memories of watching Bad Girls, I remember all you want to do is have a nice. Uh, for any for any international listeners as well, Bad Girls was a uh, like a, 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 a TV drama about a women's prison. It, it's not what a time like,
6: it was. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: It <laughs> had Shirley from it. I don't know why I'm now going deeper with another very <laughs> British-centric uh, reference that it had Shirley from EastEnders in it, who I remember at the time, a friend of mine, when bad girls on TV said that she looked like Solid Snake from the, uh, from the Metal Gear Solid games and it absolutely uh, blew my mind as a little 12-year-old boy. <laughs> um, what about you, Claire? Who are you bunking up with in a cell?
6: So, like, Ian's right in that Cameron is the better answer because you're safer with Cameron. But the problem is, and, like, Castor would kill me instantly. Like, he'd kill me, like, just with I don't know if I'd even last 24 hours but I just I'm not a nice enough person to be friends with Cameron Poe like I'm not <laughs> nice enough to deal with that like I just earnest people f- freak me out and I can't trust him and Cameron is just too much for me like I love him in the film but if he speaks for more than a line of dialogue I'm like Seriously, dude. Seriously, please come on. Have have some cop on. Um. So yeah, I just I don't think I could cope with Cameron. I think I'd choose a quick and easy death with Castor.
2: I think I think the underlying the subtext to all of this is that is that Castor Troy line, right? Is I could eat a peach for hours. Like, let's not be ambitious <laughs> here, guys. Uh, <laughs> this is what it all comes back to like uh, I'm trying to think. This has got me thinking now. Like, cause and it, and, it, and it it kind of like um depending on what cut you watch of like Con Air as well, there is like there is a scene added I think in certain cuts mm. where Babyo um like saves Castor Troy's life in like a prison riot in like a kind of like yeah there's like a prison like riot fire in there and Babyo saves his life which I think like for a film that is nearly two hours long it's like just give us that scene like. That really gives us added context to why he would kind of go through all this turmoil to, to, to make sure he got his insulin shot, right?
3: Yeah, because the, the, the thing that always kind of, or that I always think of when I watch Conair is, again, like this is all with the context that he's trying to see his wife and daughter who he's never met. And having that scene puts a lot more weight into his decision to stay. Without that, you really... Str- Again, you, you, I think you put your... There's a bit of suspension of disbelief in the movie, but... He's just a such bit. a
6: good guy. He won't mm. leave anyone behind.
3: Oh, yeah, which it's... Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming that's a US Ranger thing. Or maybe because the film did start with, idea. like, a documentary. Maybe, maybe.
2: Because, like... I don't, not to sound callous here, but, like, if, like... If Cameron, like, who are they really... The people they're saving here are Cameron Poe and the the officer who's on the plane right they're like the, the, everyone else is kind of like basic if if Meany got his way are, are just cannon fodder <laughs> and like really would would like if he had... i
6: think He's a good southern gentleman. So I think the fact that the poli- the prison officer is female and they've made it very clear that the men are rapists who are happy to rape her, I think that does go a long way. Like they, they really hammer home in those opening scenes that he is a proper southern gentleman who would stand by a woman and stand up for a woman. So I think both that and Baby O on their own aren't enough, but I do think the combo whilst it's ridiculous and we can all kind of say you'd get off and you'd run for help or whatever um it 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 feeds into his character lore that he is the most compassionate and caring man who ever did live that's that's his real crime (laughs) like jesus (laughs) i
2: think the film like uh really like lulls you into this like false sense of security as well because like when they both like are a agreeing that they'll get off the plane like even though you know it's like a two-hour film like you get that kind of sense of relief where you're like oh that's it like they're getting off well, the no, plane and then like, they've the...
6: already said that it has to be two white guys so the minute baby is like we'll go i'm like no you're not gonna go honey no no yeah. i'm sorry again
2: again cl- really cl- really i think it's clever clever writing right in the fact that they do that as well um so what's everyone's favorite quote in this film has anyone got any favorite Favorite quotes, Ian. What's 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 your go to? What's your favorites what's, You got like let's, let, let, let's kind of like chuck out some different ones, obviously. Yeah, I mean, so, favorite uh, might be the same, but like, uh, ig- ig- ignoring the
3: ones that we have already said. So, the I'm going to show you that God exists, and the you're uh, uh, with your military skills, you are a deadly weapon, which is legitimately, <laughs> I think, one of my favorite quotes for the film. Um it's a tough one because it is full of incredible quotes i think it is um either the very sarcastic reading of the letter from his daughter um or uh, uh sai anara <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which feels like a cuz every every one liner in this feels like the comment you think of two days after you should have used it in a conversation. So I feel like he was waiting for somebody to say sigh and then just like, boom. But yeah, for me, it, it, it's, it's sighed alright every single time.
2: Amazing. I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna play yeah, I'm going to intersperse. Let's talk about these with a, with, with a couple choice ones that I've got on the soundboard here.
5: Define irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died
2: in a plane crash. <laughs> what about you, Carol? What's kind so of So that was going to be favorites. one of
4: the ones that I picked. Um just because I don't know, for me that kind of it just completely fits the film, what it is, you know, the tone, like I I just of everything that is said in the film that is kind of like everybody watching it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that is kind of what Ian said. Like when you take a second to think about it, that's kind of when it falls apart. And that is kind of like if you pause and you do think about you, what you're watching, that is sort of, you know, it encapsulates the thought process that you have. Um, but then there is also Sai with the bunny and the gun. You know, just the. the <laughs> <laughs> just the idea that the, the bunny is so centric to everything yes. is again um, it's just it's ridiculous but it uh, is perfectly fitting of you know the bigger picture and Connor like you just you it's what you think of when you hear the name of the film
2: John Malkovich in that, that the lead up to that as well is 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 perfect I've, I've got it right here
5: you have been near death the entire trip.
2: Yeah, my fuck, it was mate, guys. No, he's, he's not that one. <laughs> have we got it? No, it is, it is. It is that, yeah. I think it leads up to it. You have been near death the entire trip. Yeah,
3: my fuck, it was mate, no, he's- He slipped out, man. He's nuts. It's pretty clever, huh, bitch?
5: Jesus! No, that's clever!
1: See my daddy for the first time ever on July 14th.
5: Make a move, and the bunny gets it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, yeah, it's just like that That delivery of like, my daddy on July 14th. It's just it's, it's absolutely like a day. He plays a maniac, pitch perfect, right? It's kind of it, it turns it's, on it's a sixpence a as well. Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, Cat? What are kind of some of your your your, your favorite quotes? I, to, I like
0: story? the the interaction with um, Cameron and the old guy at the like at the junkyard thing, where he he says he needs a syringe, and then the old dude's like, "Oh no, no, young man, that's not the way." <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me. I'm not gonna kill you, old timer. Listen, I need a syringe. Oh no, drugs will end you, son. Is there a first aid kit around here? Well, there might be one in the fire truck over on the boneyard. Alright, thanks. You just stay here and don't panic. It's easier for you to say. You don't gotta take a piss.
2: <laughs> <See, laughs> I it's, <laughs> it's moments like that that, like it's, like, it's like, this is a comedy. Like, that is an amazing kind of, like, comic bit that kind of breaks mm-hmm. the tension. It's like, kind of, gags throughout this film like even with like visual gags there's like a a really throwaway moment when the plane's coming in to crash in vegas where you hear like a valet going like who's this the white chevrolet and then like that's the first car you see get like totaled and then you just see like a jackpot you see like a slot machine with like the all the sevens and then like the jackpot comes out of it and they're just kind of great little like I don't know, he's peppered with all these amazing like uh visual gags and stuff like that and...
3: but but it's like what i think kat was saying earlier that is like the
2: most michael bay scene ever yeah yeah <laughs> like I, it is it, yeah well, i think i think it comes down more to like because like let's be honest that like michael bay comes from and simon west they come from the jerry brook or the, the the don simpson and jerry brookheimer's like stable like you think like whether it's Bad Boys, or even even you look at something like Top Gun, like they all kind of they all have this sheen, and I think like you know Tony Scott is almost like the the one who's like paved the way, and then like Michael Bay went, you know what? Like t- t- Tony Scott was like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm doing this. And he's like, well, fucking hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna show you what fucking I'm gonna show <laughs> you what like do you know what I mean? Like, wham bam, thank you ma'am. Like action is, and then. Yeah, so, so Simon West. Like, I think before this, he's he's he he, he like hadn't really directed anything, but had directed um, the Rick Astley video, but "Never Gonna Give You Up," which is like one of the most viewed songs on one of the most viewed videos on YouTube. So, like, it's
4: an obvious progression.
2: exactly yeah yeah yeah. well i think that is the whole thing all of these guys is they're all music like especially michael bay and like simon west they're music video directors and you can see it in the kind of visual language of these films where like cuts are like and like this film just has a relentless score like it is throughout the entirety of like if anyone could be i don't know um like yeah uh, if anyone could be charged with overacting in this film, it's the composer. Yeah. You know but I mean? it's, he's like, like, it's like hitting you over the head with that score.
3: it's also more than that, like as a progression, because the whole plot centres around the fact that Cameron Poe is never gonna give you up. He's never gonna let you down. He's never gonna turn around and desert you. It's literally that that is that is the plot of Con Air. The driving force of it is never gonna give you up.
5: So maybe maybe
3: it is the, the that mixed with the Bible is where Conair has come from. We've <laughs>
2: we've 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 blown the case wide open with that. It's uh, that yeah that was the Simon West was like, watch this Nick. Yes, I want you to encapsulate this for your role. You'll
4: be blocked by Rick Astley and John Cusack after this.
2: I think so. Yeah. That's
4: and fine. Jesus, why not? <laughs>
2: Catholic Church should be coming for me as well. Uh I welcome it. Um I don't want to be blocked by anyone. Don't get um, smited <laughs> Um <laughs> yeah, we everyone's favourite quote Claire, 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 Claire. Did we get your favourite quotes? No, we didn't.
6: Um, I mean you've covered them. Good, like it's the whole street home Alabama thing, it's brilliant. Um and there's so I think it's not really a quotable line, but like really just solid piece of dialogue um is the section. I went and found it <laughs> because I wanted to get the wording right. But when Cameron's talking to Cyrus and he's like, oh, um, like many hands lo- make light work. My daddy taught me that. And then Cyrus like, you know what my daddy taught me? Nothing. And Cameron instantly, without missing a beat, doesn't want to lose him, doesn't want him to think they're in any way different and that he's a family guy when Cyrus isn't. He's like self-educated man i like that like he (laughs) keeps cyrus on the hook he's like "Nope, we can we different but we're the same and i respect you and i am going to keep convincing you that i am the person you need and i just think that's so smart both of the character and the writers
2: definitely i'm gonna throw out a couple more (laughs) kind of like clips because i think like these are kind of like the the film is just as i said like peppered with these great little lines I, i really like this exchange what's wrong with him
5: my first thought would be, a lot.
2: <laughs> you, got, you got that again, it's just great. And then um, this one got quoted in the start, but I think Cage's delivery of this line is superb.
5: Sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them was me, the other's not you.
3: Well, you got the great follow-up to that as well. Oh, uh, <laughs>
2: you mean this?
5: So Sedino was running the drag on everyone. Yeah. If you can't trust a South American drug lord, who can you trust, huh? That was a joke. I'm glad you told me. Now I got to get back to the plane.
2: <laughs> and I think that line, that kind of exchange, perfectly leads me on to talking about like something I wanted to talk to you guys about. Is Nicholas Cage, and like, us, we're we're all fans around this table here. This virtual table. Is, he is somebody who's known, especially in like now, like a lot of people. If you kind of I don't know, ask people on the street, you go like who, like, what's Nicolas Cage known for? And it will be, oh, he's that guy who goes fucking crazy in movies. Is this one of Cage's, like, most restrained performances that he's that he's given in a film?
6: No. Oh, Kira's vigorously <laughs> shaking her head.
2: It's restrained, right? Like, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, like, the film's kind of doing all the bombast and, like, heavy lifting, where Cage doesn't, like, do you know what I mean, doesn't, like, have, like, a gurning face, he's not going like full vampire's kiss with it. Like there's nothing from this film that's clipped out in Nicolas Cage Loses His Shit. This isn't a this isn't a lose shit worthy film. Do you know what I mean? It, is, it hasn't even got like a I don't know, a moment of frustration like Mandy, where he's like kind of like screaming in a bathroom. There's no like he's like the character of Cameron Poe is composed and kind of measured and stuff like that. And like and I think I think that is what makes this film interesting is it kind of Goes against what kind of cage is known for in a way. Obviously, if people disagree, Kira shaking your head like it's just the, the it's the hair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's that's the cage freak out. It's growing out his hair.
2: What what what, what do people think? What you, yeah? What do you think to that, Kira? You are, you are shaking your head. i um, I think
4: the most restrained. I've, I've not seen every single one of his films. I, I'll make that clear. But of what I've seen, the most restrained I've seen is
5: the frozen ground yes yeah yeah see yeah, I yeah in in this film
4: I can see why it's such a ridiculous thing it's going to come out of my mouth but um you know for him to have lost it in this film would have been a step too far I think like that's yes. that is the point at which Connor would you know you would have struggled to forgive all of the little plot holes, you know, the non-pregnant, pregnant wife, all of that jazz. As soon as, because that's kind of like what was expected. I think that's part of what works is like it, it defies expectation in a lot of places where, I mean, it makes up for free in others, don't get me wrong, but there are a lot yeah, of yeah. things where it sort of goes against the grain of what you would you know typically expect of a film of a similar nature but with the frozen ground like that i mean it's been so long since i've seen that as well but that that whole film is a lot more understated the person who loses it in that film is john cusack of all people
2: yes yeah yeah yeah. one of three times (laughs) they did they did the old switcheroo
4: um but yeah, I, I would say that's the one, and it it would have been tempting to do it with that because the rest of that film is so subdued.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a from what from my memory. A boring,
4: film. I I quite enjoyed it. That's that's the <laughs> film actually that um, my friend made the daddy comment about. Um, but we'll move swiftly onwards okay. <laughs> from that because I feel like we've already done the circuit there. Um, <laughs> But yeah that that would be, that would be my pick.
2: But I think it's I think, I, th- I think this is up there, right? As as uh, as the kind of especially in this era where Cage, like you think this is, this is sandwiched between like, the Rock, where like he's you know I mean he's delivering lines like, like cut
6: the board like. Cut, but I cut I think A-Hall. there's two different things in there because Cameron Poe as a character is restrained but Nick Cage's performance isn't he is playing him wildly the hair tossing the winking the quippy one-liners the strut the character is restrained because that's his demeanour but the performance is completely full of that unhinged Nick Cage energy. If you gave this character to anyone else, they would be the most boring square. You'd want to punch them in the face. <laughs> They'd annoy the hell out of you. But Nick Cage brings all of that wild energy. He's just channeling it in a different way.
3: Well, I think I think that hits the nail on the head because I think usually Nicolas Cage is the only one doing that in a film. While Con Air, everybody is mm. doing that. Like everyone mm-hmm. is doing like the cake. Like you could, like if you were to make this film now, you would probably put Cage yeah. as Cyrus. And I don't mm-hmm. think you would miss a beat in the entire thing. So I, I don't think Nicolas Cage is reserved. I think he just blends in to the unreservedness of the entire film. While everything else, like even The Rock, he's the only one who really goes over the top. Face off both him and John to do, but they're both really playing Nicolas Cage. Like, everything, Vampire's Kiss, he's the only one who seems to know what's going on there. Like, it, it's... I, I think it's the... This is one of those films where if Nicolas Cage was a movie, it's Con Air. Right? Like, every everyone is insane.
4: I think it's... I think Con Air is the, like, the Nicolas Cage you get in Con Air, the long hair, you know, in the breeze and everything, I think when you say Nicholas Cage to someone that is the
2: image that pops up in their head.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's got a... or
4: stealing
6: the declaration of independence.
2: Yeah, it's got a... this is is this the most memed Nick Cage film?
3: It's this or the vampire's yeah. kiss wide-eyed bit. Mhm. Yeah. I, 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 I think it is the, the meme from this.
6: Yeah, the hair, yeah. The, the the feeling of elation.
2: I, re- I remember early days of uh the pandemic. When somebody like released a GIF of him stepping off the plane with the hair in the wind, and they'd put a mask on him, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is great! It's like, oh, this is what it feels like to leave that leave the house on that half hour walk you can go on, (laughs) like (laughs) getting back out into the world." Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I. I probably got to agree with you on, on those points. So even though I've said, like it does that. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. I do, not to like backtrack on myself. Obviously, like I do, I do, I do feel it's like know, I'm somebody who's <laughs> who's fucking watched them old guys. <laughs> um, and I definitely like. I don't know. I I f- think the phrasing of it should have been like he here is doing what's required of him, whereas like other films, it feels like he might be. Holding the film upon his shoulders by being like, oh, "I'm going to do some, some like bombastic acting to but to elevate." But is this, this
6: one of his biggest? On- I've not seen a lot of his back catalogue, but is this one of his biggest ensemble films? One- Whereas, like, I feel like a lot of his other films, he's the lead character. Whilst he's clearly the lead in this, it's still very much an ensemble piece.
2: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I don't. I think like, yeah, like, and it's it's a shame we don't really get to see Cage in these kind of large ensembles anymore like yeah that he's kind of been i don't know he's either straight to vod mm-hmm. like do you know what i mean first time director get him out there or it's kind of somebody who grew up on films like this and kind of understands who nick cage is like they're kind of newer directors whether it's like a panos kosmotos who kind of watched all these earlier films and has gone ah I think I've got handle on who that guy is. Let's make him the focal point of this film. And it kind of, I don't know, like uh, who knows what's going to happen since obviously like he's kind of had his like indie renaissance with Pig and kind of his first uh, major studio picture film and wide release with the unbearable weight of massive talent that we might get to see him kind of in more of an ensemble piece. And it oh. kind of reminds me of, uh, is it... Is it if you've seen the unbearable weight of massive talent when his alter ego is talking to himself and like mm-hmm. he 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 says like i might go back to more like character pieces and stuff like that he's like oh you want to you want to turn up in a duplass brothers film as the gay uncle and you want to be sick from the call sheet and it's like kind of would like to see cage doing that like as a as a as a, do you know what I mean? as a yeah on ensemble character it would have it'd be great and it's yeah this kind of feels like the one and only time he's really done it he's I don't know he's a bit of a bit of a like Hollywood star in that way. That he's kind of he's always like nine times out. Of, yeah, he's always been the focal point of a movie.
4: I mean, I know, I know we mentioned it earlier on. I'm sure that I saw a rumor now, obviously it didn't materialize, but I'm sure I saw a rumor that he was going to be in Expendables three.
3: He gets yep. rumored to be the villain in every single Expendables movie. Yeah. I mean, I because now now he's rumoured for Expendables four.
4: I, I I don't know. I I think I'd like to see him in something like that. You know, like I just think it would fit. Obviously, like we we've said, there are similarities between this and Expendables two. Um, but I don't know. I just I think if you've got him in that and he's going ham, like, up against you know the likes of Stallone and Statham, like I just. I think it'd be a very interesting mix that whilst probably not sort of the same kind of enjoyable experience as Con Air is, but in sort of like a real sort of car crash sense, I can't look away as much as I might want to. Like I think I'd, purely from an, an experimental point of view, I think I'd want to see
2: it. Just, Oh, definitely. definitely. I think Simon West did try and get caged. To be in it but i think that was like scheduling conflicts because i'm pretty sure that came out in 2012 or he picked that's it he picked the film joe over being in expendables 2 which like i think was the better decision like joe's a a lot more personal kind of big film i'm sure expendables would have paid more which obviously like dispels the myth as well that in the 2010s all cage wanted to do was Make money, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, because he, yeah, he, he could have probably had a decent paycheck, but yeah, he's kind of seems like the him and Keanu Reeves kind of seem like the only two of those like 90s action stars when they kind of like molded actors into being action stars. Yeah. Like, I think kind of was birthed with Bruce Willis in Die Hard mm-hmm. that hasn't kind of r- like resurfaced in like the the Expendables films, I think, like, Cage would... Yeah, imagine, like, I don't know, Cage and Keanu Reeves, like, teaming up as, like, dual villains. See, I,
6: I want the exact opposite. And no, we're talking about action cage at the moment. But like, I want Nick Cage to be doing like Michael Keaton's filmography. I want to see him in Spotlight or something like Zodiac. I want to see him in a room with a load of other actors at the top of their games, just talking, just like having dialogue. I want that version of this where he's just with his peers and they're all firing off each other. Like that's what I, I want him to have had Michael Keaton's career of the last few years of Michael <laughs>
2: Keaton's career. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I want him to have both, and I think that's the that, that, that's the he could do it all. Yeah, that's the that's the fascinating thing about Cage, and I think as Cage fans, we're at an interesting juncture where we don't really know. Obviously, he's got a couple of things on the docket, like a couple of westerns and stuff like that. But no, there's no real big details you know about those films. So yeah, I guess like the world. It's His oyster now, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, we can only see what comes from, like, the offers that he may have got off the back of Pig. Like, but that, I think we're yet to see those ones surface.
3: But that's like really exciting because again, like, yeah. you, like you said, with um, like Mandy, Color Out of Space, everything like that. Like, I think we're now reaching the generation of people who grew up watching Con Air. They're not in on the joke, but they're in on the fact that Nicolas Cage is brilliant. And with everyone else, like Keanu Reeves was mentioned. I love Keanu Reeves, but you kind of know what he's going to do next. Like you've always got at least an idea of what it's going to be. Well, what I love with Nicolas Cage is I could throw out any combination of like an adjective and a genre. And the response would just be like, oh, well, of course he is. It's like he's doing a (laughs) film about a musical table. So, oh, of course he is. Of course he's doing a film about a musical table. That's obviously what Nicolas Cage is going to do.
6: Have you ever done a musical?
3: Uh, Renfield is apparently going to have musical
2: elements
6: yes sorry there was... very excited to learn that
2: he was supposed to be in a musical as well that would have like uh, been penned by Charlie Kaufman and would have starred uh, Jack Black as well called Frank or Francis which is like that
6: would have either been the best thing I'd ever seen or the worst thing I'd ever that's, seen that's,
2: and that's, I really that's Charlie want to Kaufman in that for you. <laughs> <laughs> which, like yeah 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 I think like Nicholas Cage's like could have been uh, are like are better than some people's actual careers and like yeah, yeah. That's, i think that's a whole a whole nother strand for this podcast that i kind of I've, i i've started doing the legwork legwork of trying to reach out to people and like find 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 the scripts or people who are producers or anything involved in those films to kind of figure out what they could have been but yeah his the, the films he could have been in uh would have been fantastic i think um, so, yeah, is there anything we've missed on Connor? That anyone I just have watch? a very
6: quick, like, yes, no question for everyone. Yes,
2: please.
6: The film ends. He's reunited with his wife and child. He goes off to live a normal life. Two years on, are they still together? I say no.
3: Oh, no, because he, he, they haven't actually spent any time together for about yeah. probably 14 years because he was in prison and then he was in the
2: army. <laughs> Oh God, like, like, like <laughs> let's talk about this in real world terms. Like he <laughs> she 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 ain't sticking around, like when he's yep. in prison. Like like do you know what I mean? Like like, 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 but
6: I think it's almost easier for her to stick around while he is in prison. But I think then once she has to be around him, number one, he, he's annoying, as I've clearly stated. But number two, like he's a changed man. Like He's been through the prison system. Like The world has changed around him. Is she going to be happy coming home every day to him on the sofa being like, well, I can't get a job? She's going to lose her life.
2: Like... <laughs> What do you reckon, Kat? Do you reckon they're, they're together two years after this film? No, I
0: mean, just that meeting at the end of the film, she just doesn't really seem interested. And I know you sort of said that maybe they they've hidden the letters from the wife in the montage at the beginning, but I think the fact that they don't really feature speaks speaks volumes to maybe her thing you know they say you know my daughter i wasn't going to have my daughter you know come and come and visit me you know with with all these prisoners around but she could have given the kid to a babysitter and you know she could have come along and and seen her husband but yeah there's there's definitely. definitely something there at the end of the film that doesn't feel quite the the happy happy oh they're all back together that it should do
3: well, it's because it's the, the first time she's seen her husband in Harry Potter. I mean, she just commented on his hair, he's just... you know, that
0: that hair's got to go if you spend any chance of staying together. But
3: he's, ju- he's just fished a cuddly toy out of the sewer <laughs> to give to, <laughs> like, to, give like, to his know, daughter. It's just like, I guys, know this just...
6: symbolism, yeah. but leave it, just, then it. She doesn't need the yeah, bunny. It's
3: better to not give your daughter a present than one that is probably covered in <laughs> blood and sewage.
2: something that i love is there is a film called stolen uh from 2012 which is also directed by simon west and in that cage plays a bank robber who um is getting out of like the beginning of that film he gets out of prison and he takes his teenage daughter a bunny as a gift and like watching that film going through every single nick cage film like I was like, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the, the old team's back together. It's, it's Western Cage are back together and they're making a reference to the bunny. And then like, uh, it's a film that I get like lambasted for all the time because I like it. It's fun. Than, but yeah, more than most I'm people I'm assuming do. the
6: wife didn't stick around in that one.
2: No, they're, they're, no. They're, 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 they, they, they they she didn't stick around. Yeah, they, they, it was a bit more, it was, yeah, 2012. It, they kind of got with the times so and like, come on, guys. Like we 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 know what would have happened. Do you know what I mean? Year two into his prison sentence, she's like, Casey needs a daddy. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of like, we we don't know what could happen with you, Cameron. Like, you're getting buff in prison. You could get in a fight, and you, this eight years could could go on longer. Or yeah, these these letters, like, you're ignoring me, and you're just writing letters to you're writing letters to a two year old man. Like,
3: give give mama some love. So so one thing we haven't talked about yet is um. So has anyone been to Vegas? Yes. Yeah. So Vegas is like, if you're flying into Vegas, there is suddenly a line, in, literally a line in the sand mm-hmm. where it is desert and then the city. And then the airport is also really, really close to the Strip. Um, apparently the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, which the plane crashes through, is two blocks away from the airport, but five blocks away from the Strip. So basically what i'm saying is how many people died because they randomly decided to land the plane on the strip when they didn't have
2: to. <laughs> well it's actually like the, <laughs> the hotel that it crashes into was like the Sands hotel in uh Las Vegas which was getting knocked down anyway and they just like said, "Oh, can we crash a plane into your like uh-huh. into your into your hotel?" Yeah, but yeah, that's a a great point. um, here, who who hasn't answered? Are they stand together? Kira, would you reckon?
4: I mean, as much as in my head, if I was there, I'd be like, mm, yeah, rough and ready, Cameron. Okay, I, you know, we we all know that she went on to marry Lawrence Gordon and saw. So, so no, she she okay. aimed a little
2: higher in the world afterwards. Shit, I forgot she was in that. <laughs> <laughs> so this film. And at the time, they wanted a sequel for this film. Would you guys want that? And what? Like, well, what I actually be?
0: interviewed Simon West a few years ago for. I know I've just been what? sitting on this. Um, for Wildcard, <laughs> the Jason Statham um, action yeah. drama thing. And it came up. And I think one of the early ideas that they were working on was Con Air in Space, because he was like. <laughs> We know we know what Conair was, and how do you how do you top that? And is that you you obviously have to go to space, and it was like maybe oh. you know some of the convicts had like been cloned and like, you know come back, maybe some sort of like AI, oh. and then we kind of went we went down a rabbit hole this. with. you know we have like obviously there was machete machete kills again and then at the end of machete kills again there's the machete kills again in space um fake trailer and he was like you know maybe maybe we do some sort of like crossover and it's like machete kills again in space teaming up with cameron who's like on a shuttle and yeah simon west has some Crazy ideas for a continuation of Con Air, purely because he he understands, as the years have gone on, how beloved it is for its nonsensical nature.
2: It, he's a, he's a really interesting director as well. He like a couple of years ago put out that film Skyfire, that kind of uh, Chinese-funded like mm. um, like Titanic on the side of a volcano movie and stuff like that. Like, yeah, oh, oh. Simon West, he's like he he genuinely is like one of my white whales on this podcast. I I, I love like I'm always like every so often send an email to like the website uh, the the email on his website and be like hey, Simon, do you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I never get anything back. This guy's fucking like mental. Uh, but...
6: I've come back around to the con air and space. I've I've made it work in my brain. <laughs> it needs to be. Um, crossed in some way with the storyline of Armageddon in that, like, they need workers to go and do something in space and they've decided the, the cheapest convict, way yeah. to do it is to use prisoners, convicts, and that's how it all goes Yeah, on. a
2: bit alien-free, like, this kind of like, yeah. it's a convict planet and then things go awry. Was, yeah, I'm back on board. Wasn't there, there was a, um? well, because this is basically, like, one of the best, like, you know, like, die-hard, on a yeah. X films, like th- this is like the high watermark, mm-hmm. right? And it's like th- I think there was a film that was basically like Die Hard on a space lockout? prison, uh, yeah. Like,
3: lockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Guy Pierce in it, right? And it's like imagine, like yeah, imagine like that could have easily have been like. It kind of almost feels like it was written as like a spec script for Con Air too. And they've gone none of the original guys want to come back. Oh, uh, let's tweak a few things. It's called lockout. <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah, oh, fucking ah, oh, Conair in space. Yes, bloody please. I mean, let's uh, let's let, let's get the let's get the petition going now. Let's kind of uh, pester Scott Rosenberg. Um, so let's finish this off, and I want to ask you guys to rank the beige Volvo trilogy. If uh, anyone's unaware, what the beige Volvo trilogy is, it is the rock Con Air, and face off because all three films uh feature a beige volvo in them at some point just in the background or just kind of kind of there so ian what's your what's your ranking of the beige volvo trilogy
3: yeah i mean so first of all like it has to go on record that this is possibly the best like three movie run in any actors back catalogue. next to maybe i think uh Jim Carrey did like Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and then something else all in a row.
6: Was it Ace Ventura?
3: Yes, Ace Ventura. Um,
2: Basically like two years. Oh, yeah, yeah, same as this, two years. Um, So,
3: yeah, so for me it is, so I have two rankings. We're going on like legitimately just how good the film is and then how much I want to rewatch it. So if we're talking about how good they, they actually are, Conair is three, Face Off is two, and The Rock is number one. Because as an actual film, I would say The Rock is the best actual film. But if we're going for how much I want to enjoy them and want to rewatch them, uh, it is The Rock three, Conair two, and Face Off one. Because I love Face Off. It is so, all of them are so stupid, and I have all of the time in the world for them.
2: Yeah, they're the, the, the ultimate kind of Friday night. You know, yeah. If you're gonna triple bill anything, like you can triple bill them in kind of any order. Like I kind of would if I was triple billing them. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna say actually because it would kind of ruin my uh, ruin my top three. But Kira, what's your kind of ranking of those three films?
4: Um, I can't even properly participate in this because of all the Nick Cage films, I've not seen The Rock is one of them. <gasps>
6: I had I had also not seen it until I saw that you were gonna make us do this, and I was like,
2: Oh, homework. <laughs>
4: So that's me, you know, getting sent into Conair in space, you know, as punishment. Um so out of those two, how do you rank it? Of them? the two, I'm very much with you, Ian, again, that it's face off is probably the better film of the two. But Conair is the most
2: rewatchable. Definitely, definitely. Uh Claire, what you get as as a somebody who's Who's watched The Rock recently? You got some recent. I watched
6: all three of them within the last week, um, in my covid fuelled action movie and Armageddon, which is why Armageddon is fresh on my mind. Um, So I am going with Free The Rock because I didn't particularly love it because I realised I really don't like Sean Connery. I've only seen him in one other film, which is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So I never judged him on that yeah. because that's its whole other, that's its whole yeah, other yeah. He, he
2: didn't like that one either, so, so <laughs> you and him share that.
6: Um, but yeah, it turns out not a fan of Sean Connery. Really annoyed me. Just wasn't, wasn't vibing with that one, despite there being many good elements to it. Can see why other people love it, but he just didn't gel right with me. Second one, Face Off, because it's brilliant but it's so ridiculous like it's so ludicrous like there is no realm of any single possibility even if you can get over the face thing they're literally completely different body shapes there's no <laughs> no science can do that um so like utterly wild fun but, like, it's too ridiculous to get the top spot. Because Con Air, while ridiculous, and we know it would never happen, there's a tiny element of me that's like, but maybe it could. <laughs> like, it wouldn't, but maybe it could, which is why it seals the deal. Um, but, like, Face Off is wild.
2: And you, you you, catwash your ranking. I mean,
0: mine is, is exactly the same as Ian for exactly the same reasons. You know, if you're judging them on construction of films, The Rock is, is going up there um, at the top. I mean, I was tricked into watching The Rock for the first time on it's like my 14th or 15th birthday or something because my mum was like, "I had a look and it's got it's got Kyle Reese from Terminator in it. You like him? Yeah, he's in it for like five minutes before he gets blown up. Thanks, mum. Happy birthday to me." You know, <laughs> um, but it is you know I think it is sort of a more legitimate film, and then it would be Face Off and Con Air. But in terms of like what I want to watch right now, face off would be at the top. Conner would be in the middle, and then The Rock would be at the bottom. So I think you have to concentrate a little bit more with The
2: Rock. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like I like for me, I'll probably go through spanner. Yeah, my, mine. I don't know. My, well, mine's different to all of yours. Mine is The Rock. I've got I've got a little bit of that um same thing as you. I'm not I'm not I'm not massive. I'm not a massive Sean Connery fan, Claire. Like I'm similar similar thing and like I don't, I don't i don't know why like the the he, last he time It just
6: seems like a know it all and like you don't know
2: shit i think like my my experience of watching that film though is one of the best like seeing it at that Nicolas cage all nighter and i'm sure Ian can attest to this because it was like the first film of the night everybody yeah. was like jazzed but everyone still had their kind of faculties about them <laughs> like it was like one of the best ways to see it like i think given the opportunity to watch any of these films like in a cinema or with a large group of people is like yes please i know that um the matchbox cinema like uh, are doing a triple bill of them on the 16th of june in london so like that's like a yeah like what a what a triple bill but yeah mine is the the rock face-off and con air like con air is possibly like what like when i when i ranked my yeah top five nick Cage films, it's my number two favorite i just like it's i don't know why and it it comes to me it's what is the film i would like any mood i'm in could i put on like and just be like yes do you i mean happy yes sad it will make me feel like better like whereas like that like face off kind of slides down that scope because there is like a there is a slight po face element to it at times and there like like it it it's, the film starts with a kid being sniped so it is like it is pretty like hard going from the beginning it's fucking crazy like don't get me wrong it kind of like but like it, it, yeah it, it's it's not as fun and. Uh, f- for me at least it's not as kind of like balls to the wall fun as this film is and kind of funny i mean i think i think this film wins me over because it's got a, a, a charm and a humor to it that that, that con uh, that face off sometimes lacks even though it's fucking crazy and i don't yeah it's hard it's like picking for me, for me especially like as somebody who's dedicated Five plus years to Nicolas Cage's filmography. It's like picking my favorite children. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's my ranking of Nick Cage uh, Beige Volvo films. So,
3: is, um, is everyone else waiting to make a Poe faced joke?
2: Cameron Poe faced, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I could see a look on your face in. <laughs> it was just like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't, really I can't cut him off, he's on a roll. No, no I was like, "He really got to go." Like, like oh, I really need the toilet. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah." I yeah, I I, I should have said no pun intended, but it was very much an intended pun. Uh, so uh yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on the podcast to to celebrate this film. It's uh twenty five years, eh? That's. Uh, Let's get back for the 50th, guys. Woohoo! Um, so, uh, Kat, where can people find you online if they want to keep up to date with everything you're doing?
0: So, on um, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, everything, I am at Gizmo Shikari. Uh, I mainly, primarily, write for the Hollywood News, which is at THNCOM. Uh, but I'm starting to branch out, and you can find me in um, this month's film stories, writing about Hellraiser. And I've just had a piece go up on the TheCompanion.com talking about the scariest episode of The X-Files, and that would be Home.
2: Amazing, amazing. Uh, Kira, what about you? Where can people keep up to date with
4: everything you're doing? Um, people, I suppose the best place to keep up with me is on Twitter. Um, Kira C underscore um, 98. Just, yeah, any thought that enters my head makes its way onto there. For better or for worse. Um it's it, it's the most consistent place. You can usually find everything else I'm up to via there. So yeah, anything for Ready Study Court. If I do bother my ass writing something for my own website. Uh it 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 all makes its way into the world via Twitter.
2: Perfect. And uh, Ian, what about yourself? Where can be yeah, where could where can people listen to uh the podcast that nobody asked for, which is uh fantastic what's the premise of that as well let's give us the full sales pitch
3: uh so the podcast nobody asked for is a podcast that nobody asked for uh every well every two weeks now we take a movie or tv themed topic so one relevant for this films that should have been set in space <laughs> and then me and my co-host graham come up with a top three list of uh our answers and then we argue about what our final top three should be um uh, so you could find all things the podcast nobody asked for on twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four uh you can also find us on instagram at the podcast nobody asked for and the podcast is available pretty much where if you if there's a platform it's not on tweet me and it will be on there as quickly as we can get it on there
2: (laughs) amazing amazing yeah i I massively recommend checking it out it's uh you're the king of jingles ian you seem to have like i try (laughs) A compulsion that if if something can be a jingle, there'll be a jingle for it, and I love you for it. Uh, Claire, where can people find you and the amazing W-rated podcast?
6: And um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Claire Ellen Hope Claire without an I. Um, and W-Rated is hanging out there too. I think it's W-Rated Pod. Uh, like Ian said, if there's a podcast app it's not on, it's probably because I didn't know that podcast app existed. <laughs> um, and I'll talk to Podbean about it, so do let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we release Sport Nightly as well. We cover terrible, terrible movies. Uh, Petrus came on to cover literally number one on the worst rated films of all time, uh, Disaster Movie. Uh, it was great fun and I host that with Daisy who has previously been on this podcast talking about Palo Alto with Petros as well. So we are infiltrating slowly.
2: <laughs> well, again, thank you all massively for coming and celebrating this Cage Classic with me. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you. And there we have it, guys. That is our celebration of, uh, yeah, possibly one of my favourite Nick Cage films ever. Uh, What do you think of Connell? Obviously I put shout-outs before this episode went out, but if you want to get involved in the conversation further, uh, head on over to all of the socials, so that is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and Letterboxd all at CagedInPod, or if you'd like to drop me an email, you could do so, which is CagedInPod at gmail dot com. Another massive thank you to uh, the, yeah all these guys for joining me. So whether it's Ian, Claire, Cat, or Kira, it was a bloody lovely time. As for next week on the podcast, I will be talking to Carson Green of the Movie Maven's podcast, all about the Birdcage. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, it's in the bank already. I really enjoyed that conversation. And after all, it's Pride Month. So what better way to celebrate than talking about the birdcage. So if you enjoyed this podcast or any other episode of this podcast, please, 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 please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Well, I know uh, times are hard financially for people, but if you do have a little bit spare, you can sign up to Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash cagedinpod. So, as ever, I've been your host, Petros Patsunivas. I've been Caged In, and you guys have been great.
1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
5: this podcast is presented by the breadcrumbs collective home of the pod charles cinecast caged in connections a drip telling limery main franchised and many more to come
2: our shows are all presented ad-free
5: and made possible by listeners like you